is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroud. Yes, so we are live on the internet. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of Coco Talk, the nation's leading color computer talk show. Despite the fact it's the only <laughs> live color computer talk show, we are leading the nation in color computer live talk shows. I'll have you know. So <laughs> another week with nothing but uh, gorgeous, beautiful men I'm surrounded by here. Um, we have Fedor Stamen, Richard Cavell, Bill Noble, Mark Overholzel. Well, I take that back. David Ladd is also here. And then L. Curtis Boyle. And welcome, gentlemen. Thank you all for being here. Nicole hello, is in the live chat. Hello, Nicole. And Curtis is in the live yep. chat. Hello, Curtis. And it's another week. And every week I say to myself, what are we possibly going to talk about this week? And some weeks the news writes itself. You know, sometimes there's a hot topic that's going on in uh, Facebook or in the mailing list or just something really cool has happened. And some weeks you say to yourself, well, what are we going to talk about? But the, the good news is there's never really, there's never a week where we can say absolutely nothing happened this week. You know, like right now there's a lot of cool stuff going on with media player stuff. Simon Jonasson's been posting a lot of videos on his demos using um, John Linville's uh, game master cartridge. Uh, Ed Snyder's been showing his media um, player demo which looks absolutely amazing um, there's all kinds of projects going on so there's there's literally never going to be a completely quiet week where nothing happened in, in the world of color computer um, which is i guess is good it's good for us right so yes. keeps the corporate sponsors uh you know keeps the network television uh, folks happy all that good stuff so that's always nice mark overholzer is also in the voice chat hey uh, text chat hey mark um, so before we get into whatever we're going to get into today, uh, do we want to go around and just say, Hey, what was your week like today? Did you do anything cool? Did you work on any projects? Did you read anything? Did you see a good movie? Anything like that? So you guys want to just kick off and tell us what you've done this week? Sure. I do. This is Mark. Go ahead, um, Mark. Okay, so uh, there's a new Coco guy. He uh, won one of the uh, prizes for the uh, Retro Challenge. His name is, I believe, Matteo Trevisan. Anyway, um, he was interested in getting a Coco, but trying to get one into Italy is a little tough. So he found a nice one online for 40 bucks. It was a multi-key keyboard one. So I got it for him and uh, upgraded the uh, 16K to 64K because I, hey, I had some 4164s laying around. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it's got extended basics, so I'm putting it in a box and hope to get it shipped off today to him. So uh, also throwing in a bunch of other junk, actually throwing in a Timex Sinclair and a 16K RAM pack and uh, some Apple manuals. Wow. Anyway, I'm going to try to work on a, um, like a text game, hopefully network type, so I got a bunch of junk for him. So anyway, so that's what I've been doing this week. So Coco 2 in the very box. Cool. Very, very cool. I, I wouldn't call a Timex Sinclair junk. <laughs> some other weight maybe but not some junk. other junk right so yeah that's a well, cool little system anyway so you know got a few extra cables and a few things in there for him so anyway sounds like another soul saved another yes. soul saved <laughs> another converts keep yep. these cocos out of the um out of the uh -huh. landfills you know yeah right 
We should get more converts, more cocoa converts. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. That's always good to hear that we're uh, helping somebody get a cocoa in their hands, and especially if they're going to be working on something with their cocoa. That's the plan. Cool stuff. So I have a question for David Ladd, and I think the world definitely wants to know what is what's new in the world of um, of floppies, and are we able to get more tracks squeezed into our floppies and get these floppies working on emulators <laughs> in ways that you know <laughs> God never intended. <laughs> well, um, as 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 far as emulators go. Um, still working with Tim to figure out a way to, um, get the JVC header stuff working on MAME. Um, the, what's funny is MAME actually emulates the floppy by actually storing the raw MFM track data in memory. It doesn't actually just store the sectors in memory. It actually recreates the floppy in memory and works with it that way, which I find extremely interesting that it would take that route for a at all so well, it makes sense if you're emulating the hardware because you're you're having to you know keep track of all that kind of stuff to properly emulate hardware anyway so it makes sense yeah but it also means that MAME should and, easily handle all this <laughs> oh it, it should but the thing is is for the JVC it's calling a generic to the spec for the Western Digital 17.9x and 17.7x chipset protocols, they're following the book spec. So there's, you have no control over changing any of the the values that this special format utility does, where it completely throws the book out the door and starts changing values to completely different values that. Like I said last time, I don't know how these numbers work because they don't match the spec, but they do, and therefore it works on real hardware. And in MAME, if you use one of the MFM-based floppy formats, it works flawlessly there. It's just the JVC, since all it stores is the raw sectors in the floppy image, um, it's got to use mechanics to recreate that memory, which right now... Um, doesn't quite work the way we need it to yet. So it's a work in progress. But it won't get there. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. The, hey, and Nick Morentis has joined us. Good eye, Nick. How are you? Uh, good eye. Good eye. And uh, you know, at any time too, if if you anything you want to share with us as far as updates on Gunstar or anything too. That would be kind of cool. We're kind of just right now going around the room talking about what we've done this week in the world of retro and technology or anything else that might be interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it, it Are is we alive? Oh yeah, we're live. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, please excuse uh, Nick's tardiness. He was busy wrestling a koala bear. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, it's interesting the things that we can do to quote unquote break an emulator um, or at least find the things that had not been completely thought out or thought through. So it's a really obscure thing. I mean, does it mean the emulator is a bad or broken emulator? Not necessarily, no. but there is a particular thing that 
some nut job like David Ladd will discover that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I ever got you started on this route, yeah. David. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's it is it is interesting, and it's it's interesting that you know you're doing because what is the purpose of an emulator? An emulator is supposed to recreate the hardware experience, and if you can do it in hardware, theoretically you should be able to do it in the emulator. Um, and at least it's in some of our emulators, we have a little bit more real-time access to people to make changes. And right now, I think, I know we've been talking about MAME a lot. And um, for better or for worse, you know, we have we have people out there who will take these issues and work on them, you know? So. Yeah. And, and also, one of the other things, while um, I was talking to Tim, and Tim's currently looking into workarounds for that, um, with Nitrous 9 Level 1, because now we've got people that have Cocoa 1s and Cocoa 2s and Dragons to have the 6309 CPU in it, I was also going through, well, how do I add a version of those machines in MAME to also have the 6309 CPU? Um, it can be done, because I did figure it out. It's the way they got the source code set up, it's... It's interesting to try to follow the, the the way it's set up, but once you start figuring it out, it's not so bad. <laughs> okay. That's so, cool. so. Yeah, and then I've been helping David a little bit too on on trying to get like it looks like the six three zero nine nitrous nine level one is actually basically six eight zero nine code just recompiled. There's not a lot of the six three zero nine stuff actually in there, so we're kind of bouncing back and forth when I get a little bit of time every once in a while to try to put some of that stuff back in to speed it up rather than just native mode. Very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, so um, so David has been working on many different Cocos in MAME, right? So he's making a Coco 1 and 2 with the 6309 and um, all kinds and of stuff. And a Dragon with the 6309. So, again, if... If an emulator is supposed to emulate hardware, and we can do this in hardware, if we can do it in our emulator, that's a cool thing. And so it sounds like there is some level of modularity to MAME, where we can kind of tweak components of the virtual machine, so to speak. Yes. It just takes a little bit of um, the Coco 3, since they had the Coco 3H, which was the 6309. I was poking through the source code, and that's how I got got the example of how to do it. And basically, they just go through for the Coco 3H. They say, use the Coco 3, but remove the 6809 CPU and replace it with 6309 CPU, and then it does that. So when you build it, it's got all the components of the, the Coco 3, just with the 6309 replaced over the 6809. So... So you should be able to do the same thing with all the uh, the older models too, then. Yes, yes. That's and I think cool. that's a good project to do because I mean the the nice thing about the Coco ones and the earlier Coco twos and the Dragon is that the CPU was socketed, so people that want to test stuff on MAME using six three nine can replace the real CPU much easier than you can do in a Coco three. There's no desoldering; they just unplug a chip, plug a new chip in, you're done. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. Yeah. One of the discussions that came up this week, too, on uh, the Facebook group was talking about, has anybody thought about making a hardware-compatible Cocoa clone? 
um, <laughs> where you can, you know, because it's harder to find Cocoa 3s, for example, like so if you wanted a Cocoa clone that you could plug in a cartridge to, which sounds like a neat idea, but I think what most people chimed in was is that the cost of doing that is prohibitive and um you know sometimes you gotta you gotta just say well either you're gonna find a real cocoa or you're gonna do an alternative like an emulator a raspberry pi or like a nano fpga type situation uh, i don't know anybody who wants to rebuild a modern cocoa clone that is completely hardware compatible it's, it sounds like a really cool project but uh it almost it might be something where that person needs to do it for themselves rather than creating it as a community thing you can purchase because i don't think the cost is going to make it yeah i myself don't know um if the coco one and two would probably be the most feasible to re yeah. recreate because you can probably get the 6847 the all the pias um all the hard you know, and the 6309s. So you can pretty much get, in my opinion, everything except for one component, which goes into the whole thing that I don't really want to go down, the ROMs. Okay. So yep. yeah. that, that would be the only caveat to that whole project would be the ROMs, and I'd rather not go down that part because we could spend hours on that. Right. Part, and what but, about the no, what about the, what about the six pin dins? Are those all still pretty uh, readily available? Yep, yes, yep. the six pin yep. dins you can get because I ordered several for my joystick conversion project. So you can still get those connectors without any problems. The the four pin, the five pin, um, yeah. and the six pin. So the plugs pretty much. Too. Yeah, so pretty much um, everything you can get um, within within reason um, that I've checked into anyway. Okay, just came back the same here. Yeah, same just, here, Mark. I was able to actually get everything. I've got 6847, 6821s, 6809s, 6309s. The only ones that are hard to find are the SAM chip and the gimme. Those you don't find. Okay. Go ahead, Nick. Um, just going back to what you were saying about the ROMs, um, if you're going to build or rebuild a color computer, uh, you're probably better off just using um, some flash RAM, supplying it with just flash RAM, and let the user burn a ROM, any ROM that they want for that matter. Make your own even. But you know, the ROMs are available on the, off, right. off the net. Illegally, if you want to call it that, but right. you don't have to supply the ROMs. Good point. Yeah, just have it design it so it's some flash RAM. It's up to the user then, just like buying an emulator or, mm -hmm. or running an emulator, where you locate the ROMs yourself and right. plug them in. Right, right, right. So, so the ROMs aren't really a problem. Yeah, and then it also allows the user to do optional things like you know use a better DOS ROM like uh, yeah. ADOS Extended or something, exactly. which doesn't have legal issues. Yeah. Interesting. Right, right, right. But what what I'm hearing here, and I, I didn't I don't know if anybody said anything about the actual cartridge slot itself, so that bus expansion, is that over the counter type the, the, stuff too? Yeah, forty you, pin connectors. You can still get the you can still get those forty pin okay. um headers, um, the cartridge slots, because I actually um Ed Snyder 
everything keeps coming back to Ed Snyder. Um, <laughs> I brought that up, brought that up on the uh, Facebook page um, quite a while back because I was wanting with my uh, Glenside IDEs, I wanted to pop- populate the two I have with the cartridge connectors. And um, he said, well, here's the supplier I went to for my headers. And, of course, they were 50 count, and I didn't even think about checking to see if there was less. But I ordered a whole 50 count of those <laughs> connectors. I have, like, 46 left. <laughs> it means there might be some for so, sale. So, it's, but, yeah, you can pretty much get the, the slots as well. So that's, that's pretty impressive. But so what I'm also hearing now is that we can basically recreate a Coco one and two that are pretty common to get on eBay right now. Anyways, what people probably want is a Coco three. And the hard thing there is the gimme and a few other things, which, you know, still right. kind of well, a work in progress. Well, the gimme, um, the gimme, if Ed's again, back to Ed, Ed's project that him and Gary are working on, that Gimme project, that would fix that issue as well. So, right. But that's not ready yet. yet. No, that's not ready yet. Right, but and that's something start. to look forward to. Yep. The thing is that, that Gimme add-on will probably be close to $100. So if you're talking about $100 just for the Gimme component on its yeah. own, let alone yeah. the rest of the motherboard, you're probably talking about a recreated cocoa costing three, four hundred bucks or less. Right, and at that point, um, considering that, that, that one cocoa three on eBay was seventeen thousand five hundred dollars recently, <laughs> uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bought it. I'm, I'm, no, well, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, well, Nick, Nick, so, Nick took five percent of the pop star royalties to purchase that. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it well, for the embedded uh, bag of cocaine. That was, <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was the value. <laughs> Now that's value add. Yeah. <laughs> but but even though with the Coco 3s being in shorter supply than the Coco 1s, you know, yeah, two, $300 you might think is too much, but um, if you've got to recreate the logic board, who knows how much the lo- uh, replacement logic board would be. So and then you still have to source the components. So... Um, I think, yeah, I think the it's FPGA a... would be $100. Okay, yeah, but we can't get replacement gimmies at all. So right. that's going to be talking something. Of, I think you're talking about a very small market. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be worth doing anyway. So <laughs> Not at this point. I think once Coco 3s get even more rare and you just can't get them anymore, period, uh-huh. at any price, then it becomes a feasible thing. Right. Ed I Snyder think it all comes back. chat. Ed, we need to get you on will... Skype. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Far away. But, Go ahead, Nick. But, I'll stop but, interrupting you. I, I think really if you're talking about a recreation of a motherboard, you're better off just making a motherboard with an FPGA that does it all, much like what the current FPGA Cocos are doing anyway. So. Yeah, just a matter of adding you know, old-style ports. You can use some of your old peripherals. And, yeah, and some yeah, ones too because you – you want to future-proof it so that you're not having to, you know, redo the whole well, thing that's again. That's right. Well, the um, Coco Three FPGA by Gary Becker essentially does do that. There is that daughter board that uh, Ed um, set up for it, where you plug it in and you get um, standard uh, joystick ports. It doesn't give you an edge connector, but you know, 
Right. It right. does cover a lot of it. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Coco Crew podcast. Where can you catch all the latest news and information about the daily color computer and compatibles? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about the Coco Crew podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Grooved interviews, tech segments, and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Strut your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast. Keeping it Coco, dig. And the thing is, how many of those have been sold? I mean, they're not exactly being going out the door, you know, so so fast as what you think. Again, it's a small market. I mean, I am I've got one. I never turn it on. You know, to me, I want the real thing. Yeah. So I would rather hunt on the internet to look for a Coco Three. I'll pay three hundred bucks for it if I if I was desperate for one, because then I'll get the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it on the one hand it kills me to to even consider spending that kind of money on a Coco three, but when you look at what it would cost to build an alternative, you're reinventing yeah. a wheel and you're going to spend as much money. So um, I just have uh, Barry Marks just says, why do all this when you can get a good emulator? Well, this was a this was a Facebook discussion where somebody says, I want to be able to plug in real hardware. I want a Coco three. They're hard to find. Has anybody thought of making a hardware compatible Coco three clone? You know, and so there's just there's a lot of logistics to making it happen. And um, it, it, it almost sounds like at this point, if you can get a real Coco 3 for a couple hundred bucks, it is your best bet. Um, and then everything else can go from there. You can, we can get Cloud9 to upgrade the RAM. Um, if it doesn't have the 512, uh, there is, uh, you know, Ed Snyder's working on the new Gimme, uh, Gimme replacement. Uh, I just saw something. Did you guys all see the um, the Glenside newsletter that was just circulated recently? Yeah. Yeah, so there was a picture in there, and I think it was something that uh, Jim Brain is working on, but it looks like it goes in the gimme socket, and it adds two megs of static RAM to the Coco, and so it's kind of like a... a, a, a yeah, the DAT's built into past- it, too, so you don't yeah. have to do all that soldering crap. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I thought that was kind of a cool. So if somebody doesn't want to sit here and cut jumpers and do stuff like that, um, it is just, um, you know, it's just, it's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It needs to be combined with the one that Ed's doing too, like a replacement gimme so that you can have all that built into it too. Uh And then also the option of extending the gimme beyond its current capabilities. Okay. Uh, I I think you'll find Ed's is going to do all that anyway. Okay, Ed said he tried to call via Skype, but that the call was busy. I don't, I don't know if you're, I don't know if we're friends on Skype though, Ed. I think the, I think the group is full, 
Let me see if um, has, has Ed sent me a, a friend request. Here we go. Ed Snyder. Let me accept your friend request. All right. So here's what we might need to do, guys. Let me see what I can do to Coco Talk real quick. I'm going to have to kick somebody out of Coco Talk. <laughs> so let me find who I can kick right well, now who's not. Well, I've got, to, I've got to run off in about, uh, well, I've got to run off for five, ten minutes. So I don't know if I can be kicked off in one. No, no, no. I'm talking about it's, the group. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's oh, the 24 okay. users currently cool. logged into the group, not the active callers. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay, well, I'm gonna disappear so, for no, 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 five okay. I'm gonna add Ed Snyder right now. Hold on, I just I just kicked Paul Thayer out, so um, he, he so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to fix this in the future. Okay, so Ed, I just added you to the group. Okay, Ed's in. All right, boom. Ed Snyder, are you, can you hear us? I see his smiling face. Now we just have to wait to see if we can hear his voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then so so Grant says, uh, "What about the Cocoa Four project?" Yeah. So at the end of the day, what's what's the most cost-effective way to get a cocoa? I think it's the Raspberry Pi. You can either run emulations on your PC, or you get the Raspberry Pi and you run the Cocoa Pi with Mame, and and for the Raspberry Pi will run just about everything, and you can get the whole system for under a hundred dollars. It's a Cocoa One, it's a Cocoa Two, it's a Cocoa Three. You can plug it in via HDMI to a modern television. You can use wireless keyboards and mice. You can use wireless joysticks like Bluetooth game pads. Um, Cocoa Pi. If you want a Cocoa Three and you don't you know, and you don't need to, um, if you don't need the hardware peripheral attachments, that's probably the most cost-effective way to get it. And it connects to modern technology, you know? Yep. Uh, 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 Freaking Wi-Fi, it's got Wi-Fi built in. You can connect it to drive wire, you know? A lot of things you can do with that. Uh, uh, Freaking Wi-Fi, it's got Wi-Fi hey. built in. Ed, you Hello? joined us. <laughs> <My pleasure. laughs> can you hear some, me? I can hear you, Ed. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Hey, it's great to have you on the call. <laughs> good. I'm finally on here. We talk about Ed Snyder quite a bit. Ed Snyder chats with us quite a bit. Now we can actually have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Sockmaster just joined in the chat, too. Yeah, Sockmaster joined us in the chat. Hello, Sockmaster. Uh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, Travis Pope says, Ed has joined. It's a historic moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's um, it's it's a cool thing to, to ask yourselves, and, and it almost seems like if somebody wants one, they're probably going to have to build their own, I would think, is the, is the way to go. And, and currently, people are building, like we say, the Coco FPGA is being built, the... Uh, the cocoa on a chip, Roger Taylor's uh, nano things being built. So um, there are alternatives. And I think this guy wanted something he could plug in hardware to. So I was going to ask a question. Uh, do people think that the cocoa three is rare because people are hoarding them and don't want to get rid of them? Or, or is it that there's so few of them out there compared to a cocoa one and two? Um, hey, Wayne, Wayne's here. Uh, la 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 la. Do we see the, what? What is our measurement of the term rare? I, I would have to say maybe it's based on how often you see them on eBay or you don't see them on eBay. You know. There were plenty fifteen years ago. Yeah. 
Um, matter of fact, that's that's an interesting curiosity point. I'm going to go to eBay right now and just try to pull it up. And Ed, just to verify with you while he's looking that up, <clears throat> the gimme replacement that you're doing with the FPGA, does that support the 2 meg RAM built right into it? Uh, no, it won't be built into it. <clears throat> it. It actually uses the motherboard RAM the way we're doing it right now. Uh, we'd, have, we'd have to go to a a BGA type um, package on the FPGA in order to have enough pins to do the RAM on the upgrade as well. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, because you're mentioning here, like Jim. Jim has one that actually plugs in a gimme socket and actually has the DAT stuff built onto it. So there's no soldering and you know soldering a 40 pin double header on your CPU and stuff. What about those Coco threes on Cloud Nine? Cloud Nine sells them. Yeah. That's true. I have no idea how many Mark has left. <laughs> so how goes uh, all your projects there, Ed? <laughs> right. They're going good, keeping me busy. You know. I was just going to say Cloud9. I, I don't think Cloud9's got stock of coco threes if they just happen to get one they'll sell one but at least they didn't last time i looked okay well then i don't think they post them on the website okay here's a here's a 300 coco three on ebay right now this one's in the box it is 128k coco three with a fairly decent box um he is showing that the screen is working it looks pretty clean actually too it even has a dust cover and a and a uh, RF adapter, okay. But this guy wants three hundred bucks for a stock Coco Three, and it is buy it now. Now, what do they want for shipping? Fast and free shipping, okay. So if somebody wanted one really that's reasonable. Bad, somebody wanted one really bad. Here it is, and it's in the box with a dust cover. That it's got to be worth something. Well, if I didn't have like my own Coco Three, I'd be buying it. Yeah, yeah, that's actually very reasonable. That's the cheapest I've seen. So, but when you go to look for Tandy Color computers on eBay, you know, you're gonna see a bunch of Coco One and Twos. And Coco One and Twos, like here's a Coco Two, uh, starting off at um, twenty nine dollars, and a buy it now for forty dollars. This almost looks like it's got the gray keyboard on it. This yeah, looks it like does. an abomination. This is a Coco Two with a Coco One keyboard. That's it's a wild. retro Coco 2. <laughs> it's a zombie apocalypse is what that is. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Um, but it has a book. It's got a serial. Here's, what's the serial number on that Coco? <laughs> serial number 0129. <laughs> it's a 26-327, 64K Coco. So look at this. You can buy this now for $40. And, and there's a $13 shipping. So... For less than $50, you can get a fully loaded Coco 2. These are pretty common, you know. And so I think this is where they're saying that Coco 3s are rare, right? When you start looking through eBay here, here's a Coco 2 64K with um, Hitachi CPU added to it for $50. Color Computer 2s. Yeah, Color Computer 2s are fairly common. On eBay, and I think the Coco threes are less common on eBay, so I think that's what they're basing that term "rare" on. You know, 
Like if I just do a search on eBay for Color Computer 3, let's see what we come up with. All right. By the way, on Cloud9, it doesn't say that they're out of stock, but it doesn't say they have how many they've got. So I don't know. Here, here's another Color Computer 3 for $269.99 um, on eBay. But yeah, there's not a there's a not there's not a lot of Coco threes showing up on eBay right now. They're, they're, you're lucky to find about one per week on eBay for the Coco threes. I stopped looking every day because I, you know, I have a problem. Um, <laughs> but historically, I've seen less of them. I actually kind of like this Coco two with the Coco one keyboard. Now see. <laughs> Here's a multi-pack for 119 and buy it now. That these are somewhat rare too on eBay multi-pack interfaces. Yep. Um, yep. And that's a decent price. Now they want another $17 in shipping. So for about $130. What's the part number on this guy here? This is the um, 26-3124. I don't know if this one has the ability to run um, on a Coco 3 without the PAL chip. That's the newer one. It doesn't have the chip, but has the you do the dead bug on it, or it has to be the A version. Oh, okay. So the thirty twenty four is swap the PAL. Okay, but I know a lot of people are looking for multi packs, and of course we know we have the mini pack that Ed Snyder has. But if you want a real multi pack, these are also somewhat rare items, um, and they typically go for more than a hundred dollars once they're finally sold. Uh, yeah, not a lot of. Um, not a lot of Coco 3s on eBay right now, so I guess that's that's kind of j driving that question, driving that idea of these things being rare, you know? So, Ed, since we have you here, we were going to show off your media player. And okay. I don't know if you have the ability to um, do a screen share and show anything from your end, or should I just pull up the video that you posted on Facebook recently? Uh, why don't you pull it up? I'm still kind of getting used to Skype here. I haven't really right. used it much before. All right. Well, we're glad to have you. We're definitely glad to have you. Let me find that. Uh... Oh, yeah. And, I, and Wayne. Hello. Wayne Campbell's here in the chat. Good to see you. Um, Wayne mentioned, I, you know, I didn't post anything in the mailing list today. I forgot. But I don't know. I, I sometimes feel like nobody reads anything I put in the mailing list anyways. Um <laughs> All right, let me let's let's switch over to uh, let's switch over to the Facebook page. Now I have to try to share audio. I don't. Do you guys need to hear the audio for this? I think when I share audio, it sometimes makes my microphone sound less clear. Can you see the screen? Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Hold on, I'm on my page. I need to go to the Facebook. I need to go to the Coco page. Not the podcast, the TR Sadie Color Computer Group. Here we go. There we go. All right. So, what were some of the discussions happening this week on Facebook? Well, I want to get to Simon Jonason's media player, too. Um, but we have Ed here. Let's find Ed's video. There's Simon's video. More Simon's video. Here's Ed Snyder. Here's one here. The Coco SDC Media Player PSG Move. Is that a good one, Ed? Or is it the one with the dancing girls that I should be pulling up? Uh, well, I, there's like three from last week. All right, let's try this one first and see how it goes. 
Okay, this has turned into a YouTube video. Okay, so uh, yet another format added to the uh, Coco SDC media player. This will let you be uh, converted. Can you guys hear YM files yeah. if you have a Coco PSG. Wow, that synth sounds really good. So it works pretty good, and um, there are a ton of YM files out there that we can. Uh, These are like Yamaha to, uh, um, synthesizer songs. Yeah, they are. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's all this kind of stuff. How much CPU does this take to play this kind of music? Very little. Oh, this is Take On Me. <laughs> I can name that tune in three notes. <laughs> I used to love listening to stuff like this as a kid. Anytime I could hear electronic music on a computer, I was blown away by it. I'm just using the brake key to back out of these rather than yeah. playing the whole thing because some of them are pretty long. But, Wayne, um, you should be able to join us in chat. Wayne's still in the... Can you guys check to see if Wayne Campbell's still in the Cocoa Talk group? I don't see him listed. I think he removed himself last week. Alan Huffman for right now. He hasn't been on in a while. We'll add him back later. It's like I'm trying it's hard to Question that Bruce Moore wants to know: Can this be called from basic? Man? Uh, it'll be able to be used from basic most of it. That's pretty cool. It sounds really good. I, I need to find the one with the dancing girls because that one's awesome. You gotta find it in here. I think you might overtake the C sixty four yet. <laughs> there we go. 
if you keep going down, there was two other ones I put in there this week. One yeah, shows uh, the videos. There we go. Um, okay, um, I just added a new uh, there's that. Uh, mode to the media player. It is... Uh, Simon's in the chat, too. Hey, Simon. RG6 video. P-Mode 4. And this is P-Mode 4, huh? Now too, so... Yep. Gets rid of that annoying. That's super smooth. Let's take a look. <laughs> Karen says you're going to have a hard time beating the Sid. <laughs> hey, Wayne. Hi. I think I'm there. This is an incredible video, Ed. What was the source for this originally? This is so smooth and fluid, man. Yeah, I finally went with a double buffering with one. Ed, does it support the artifact colors too, or is it strictly black and white at this point? Um, well, I'm using the Coco VGA there, and it's so it's not showing any artifact. It would be showing some artifacts, but they don't really show up as much. Was this a 6309 optimized one or a 6809? This requires a 6309 to get this one. Pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to stop that audio sharing because I think it's causing some of us to um, break up. All right, that's cool, though. That is super cool, man. Really cool. The frame, the, the frame rate of this, I'm going to mute the sound, too, so we can sit here and continue to watch it. But um, I don't want the sound stepping on us. Um, absolutely impressive. Never would I have imagined seeing full motion video on a cocoa this smooth and this fluid. Yeah. You know? Well, that is mostly that's mostly thanks to the uh, Coco SDC supplying a lot of data quickly. And that's yeah. that new stream mode he added. What's that? That using the new stream mode he added. Yep, that's using the stream command. Yep. Which just continues to uh, present 512 byte sectors to the CPU, uh, either until the end of the file or until until you abort the command. Hmm. So, so basically, you just specify a file for it. You tell it you start streaming, and then you, it's up to the program to read the yep. stuff off of the SDC and just do whatever sound graphics. Yep. You tell it to uh, to stream the. The file and what sector to start at, and then it'll keep uh, presenting the data in order at the data port. And uh, you do have to poll in between sectors, so it's a little tricky keeping the timing right in that, um, depending on what you're actually streaming over and how quickly. But yeah, that stream command makes it a whole lot easier than you know calling up an individual sector at a time. Yeah, I'd imagine. 
What, what kind of throughput are you getting using the streaming command? And like, how many k per second? Well, uh, the SDC can actually go a little bit faster than you can pull it off with a at 0.89 megahertz. So uh, this right here is about 150 k per second that you're seeing. Oh. Now and that's using six or nine with a TFM command, I'm presuming. No, it is using. Oh, no. It's not using TFM. It is using a 6309. Uh, I'm using a copying using uh, the Q register, which is faster. Oh, so you're yeah. doing four bytes at a time? Yeah, four bytes at a time. And also the 6309 is a little faster in general. But Any, uh, uh, any hyper color, a bit more than one bit? Well, there's the um, SG24 video uh, conversion stuff that I've been working uh, with uh, Chris Martin on. And it doesn't have the resolution, of course, but it, it is color. Now, and then John Linville did one, too, for the Coco 3 back, which probably would work on this, too, if it got rewritten for the streaming. Yeah, I was just going to say, now, so far I've only been working with the Coco 2 at, uh, you know, 0.89 megahertz. Uh, if I start doing some stuff on the Coco 3, we'll have double the CPU speed so we can get a higher data rate and we'll have the other color modes that we That's can work cool. with. Yeah. So this kind of, in my mind now, opens up a question. We talk about, we, you know, we've talked about future game development and uh, to cart or not to cart. I would imagine this data, if you want to have a decent amount of data now, cartridge is kind of not a, a good option if you want to have video streaming video and, and it almost sounds like this requires the coco sdc to work now too right yep you, you do need an sdc and okay. uh well you know you can get a lot of information on a cart nowadays but for instance that bad apple video is about 34 megabytes so okay and with the sdc and we're limited to a two gigabyte file size that we could stream so pretty much unlimited that's pretty that. cool All right hey simon has just joined us the madman is here as well we're gonna we're gonna get to some of your music in a bit too simon we're talking about all kinds of media stuff cool. very cool though very cool this is i'm like a kid in a candy store when i see audio visual stuff on the coco you know when you can see cool video and you can see and you hear music and stuff like that it's pretty awesome um, I'm just waiting for the Dragon's Lair port. Yeah, right? <laughs> or Spice Ace. Yeah, uh, that, that is pretty darn cool, I gotta say. So the, the sound chip that you're working on, Ed, it's, it's a little bit different than the one that John Linville's doing? Um, yep, it's, uh, I'm using the Yamaha YM2149, which I believe was in the Atari ST and a few other machines. Okay. Um, but also, it's a larger chip. I think he wanted something compact. Sure, um, sure. But, um, fit in a cartridge. Mm -hmm. So his is, I think, based off of a Texas Instruments chip, a TI chip, or is... Yes. Okay. It's... it's you still there, Simon? You broke up on us. We may have lost Simon. Is everybody else still on the call? 
the whole call went went quiet for a minute there. Oh. You guys back? I lost you for a second. Yeah. Okay. Still here. I'm here. I'm here. Very cool stuff. Very very. Hi cool Simon. Stuff. Yeah. Fedor's neighbor. You, you guys can <laughs> see each other through your windows, can't you? <laughs> Almost. So it's about an hour drive. Okay. It's pretty amazingly cooked close by. Yeah. Given how rare European cocoas are. Right, right. You talk about rare Cocoa threes in the U.S. I think Cocos in general are rare over there, huh? Yeah. Hello, I am the speech and sound pack, and you are listening to Coco Talk. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. To get your very own Gameplay Goodness DVDs featuring color computer games played by the original gamer Stevie Stroh, visit 8bit256.com and grab yourself a Coco Gaming DVD today. That's 8bit256.com for all of your Gameplay Goodness needs. Okay, Richard was signing off. Take care, Richard. Uh, so Ed, that's cool stuff. So, go ahead, Nick. Sorry, uh, Ed. I was just wondering what the estimated sell price will be for the um, sound cartridge. Well, um, uh, some of it depends on. Uh, what the case will be, and Jan Strong was going to do cases for those, and uh, without whatever that is, plus probably, I guess altogether it's going to be fifty or sixty dollars. That's not bad. Not bad at all. We we it's it's nice to know that we have music options. For the Coco, I think mm -hmm. I think some of the challenges are going to be is you know who's going to do the developing and which one are they going to develop for you know we have well, we had Simon Simon's here so Simon's definitely showing us some demos on one of them and Ed's doing some demos too so that's pretty cool uh, I I think there's there's so many technology mm -hmm. options available right now it's really up to the creators to decide what they want to do with them you know oh yeah. <laughs> But it's nice to have options. It's it, to go from 35 years to never having a sound chip to now having many sound chips to choose from. It's a terrible problem to have, right? Yeah, it's a luxury problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to make one super sound card that has them all. That's all. That's all. Yeah. yeah. We've we, we, <laughs> we really only got all. the one sound chip. It's only the one sound chip. It's just uh, three or four variants of the board, really. I mean, each of those uh, sound chips in each of those cards is essentially the same style sound chip, so the same architecture. Well, I, I beg to differ, Nick, because um, the AY chip has got like 14 registers, um, not talking about the input register, just 14 sound registers, and it's got envelope control. Um, the SN chip is just three square wave generators one noise generator and um, an attenuator for each channel. It's got no waveform shaping at all. You have to do it yourself via volume. 
doesn't it support the ADM, the uh, envelopes of the uh, YM at all, or the GI for that matter? No. The, oh, the, so the SN chip, you have to do it yourself. Oh, that's very uh, primitive, that one there, then. Yes, it's just it's basically three square wave generators and one noise generator. And it's got eight oh, registers. Oh, okay. And to boot, it's Little Indian. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's... Um, but it's a small dip, and it costs less, so, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a 16-pin dip, and it probably costs about 20 cents. <laughs> Would you like fries with that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That may be like somebody selling Cocoa Software. You can make tens of twenties of cents. You can afford the new chip. Right, right. So, uh, Simon, I'm going to switch over and show one of your videos that you recently posted to the Facebook uh, channel here for just a second. Let me go back to Facebook. Uh, I'm going to share audio again, which might uh, cause some uh, sound quality issues here. But we'll go ahead and bring this up. That is music to my ears. Hearing the Coco yeah, play which, music. Which sound card is that? This is John Linville's. Yeah, this is the, oh. this is the free square web generator. Wow. something that is something yeah. that we're able to get this kind of sound out of our cocos oh uh, yeah but that's just that's free square web generators there's no envelope control on it at all at the moment and i tell you what that is 128 bytes of code wow but I, 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 actually, I am not a uh, sound expert but i had a best friend who's passed away now who used to play games on his 286 and his 386. And everything I've been listening to sounds comparable to everything that was in those games. Wow. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same kind of deal. Same kind of deal, you know. Um, I, I, actually, I just posted the code for that, if anyone wants to look in the file section on Facebook. Uh, the code, uh, the, the uh, XM file, 
that has been converted is also in there, so you can see what what I had based it on from a PC. How big was the XM file? Yeah, well, how big is the XM file? It's, it's, not, it's actually an IT file at the moment, but I can convert it to XM. Um, it's not massive, massive. Uh, the, the tune is actually the tune is actually taken from a MIDI file um, from a C sixty four. It's uh, it's uh, Star Pulse. Don't know if you know it. So it's a Rob Hubbard tune. It sounds great. That, that was the same chip that was in the Tandy 1000, right? The one that's on John Linville's cartridge? Yes. Right. So that, there's definitely a, a possibility to add three voice music to the Coco 3 versions of the Sierra games. That's that's a possibility, right? I, I, haven't, I, haven't, added the, I haven't added the last channel yet, which is the noise channel, which right. potentially gives you percussion. Right, right. So would it be hardware possibly wise to put a make a cartridge with both the uh, Texas instrument, the SN seventy six forty nine, and the Yamaha chip? I think Jim good. was working on doing that, wasn't he? It'd be nice to have both, uh, as long as the addressing ranges don't conflict. Personally, I'll go yeah, for I the thought... FM chips. Pardon, Nick. Personally, I'd go for the FM chips. Yeah, you go for the Yamaha chips, yeah. The Yamaha, but not the uh, the one that Ed's used. Ed's is based on the General Instruments chip, which is similar to that TI one. It's the square waves and and uh, and that the FM the FM synthesis chips though sound a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rather than make one with like two different sound chips on it, that probably would be because I mean at that point the cost. I don't think it would be much different. So you're, you're talking more like a, an ad-lib card at this point then, right? Yeah, but that's what the ad-lib cards used to use. Yeah, yeah. And even now, when you listen to ad-lib, uh, now it's such a dated sound. I think that's the same chip that the Sega Genesis used as well. It's a dated sound, but it's, it's a great sound for the Coco. I mean, we were kind of looking for that dated sound anyways. It's period appropriate. For music, it sounds better. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No and doubt. CPU, it's better too. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Karen's with us. Hey, Karen, welcome back. Hello, hello. We have we have uh, all kinds of people here doing all kinds of cool projects that we get to talk about. So we've definitely showed off some of Ed's work with his media player, which is pretty damn cool. Showing off a little bit of Simon's work with um, with his music player, which is really nice too. Um, you want us to switch over and, and show some of the Dungeons blog and show some of the project you're working on right now for your Dungeons port, Garen? Uh, yeah, I don't have the ability to share anything. Yeah, that's fine. I will do that. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Strope.
I have cool. the power. <laughs> All right. So um, we are going to switch over once again. I'm going to go back to full screen. Do, does do any of your videos have sound or are they all quiet right now? So I need to know if I need to do sh sound sharing as well. I think the very last one might be showing off sound. Uh, okay. So if I have a look myself. Okay, that's fine. All right, I've got it up on the screen. Yeah. By the way, I have a link to um, Ed. Do you have um, do you have a general link where people can watch those videos? Or are they on your YouTube channel, Ed? Your um, your demos. You know, I haven't put them up yet. Yeah. No, I'll make sure I'll, I'll find a link to your YouTube channel and I'll update the video, the description of this video so I can point people to to see those videos. Um, so this is Karen's blog for a project he's working on now, Dungeon, and maybe we can hear it best from um, from the source's mouth, but it is, it's definitely a very cool project. I've seen some of the videos. Oh, wait, that's, that's XROAR. Let's go over to Dungeons. Here's Dungeons. Okay. Here is Dungeons. And this is the original BBC micro version. Uh, I did read a lot of this blog. It, it's a game that's similar to Gauntlet in, in the fact you have four players, but the difference is each player's got their own scrolling window to the game, so you don't have to be in the same space at the same time. Um, which is very cool. Gauntlet is probably one of my favorite games, one of my favorite arcade-style games. Um, so here were some of the original versions, and then here is uh, some of the work you're doing here to convert the tiles to Coco graphics. Or Dragon, you know, either way. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dragon primarily for me, but... Right. If Same it works story. on one, it's probably going to work on the other. Right, 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 right. So here's one of our videos here. Let me make this video bigger, and we'll look at some of the... This is a scrolling demo here. Yeah, very, very early one. I, I mean, yeah. I, um, okay. Yeah. It's such a shame that we've got so so such a small color palette to work with, you know? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting challenge. Yes. And, and usually none of these combinations are completely... A, a easy on the eyes either might have so to do a I'm, patch for it afterwards using coco if you have a coco 3 ring you can change the palettes a little bit to make it a bit no. more palatable i completely <laughs> intended to do that yes right but haven't okay. yet i am supporting the ntsc artifacted colors set but i haven't done coco 3 yet are you not supporting power artifacts yet <laughs> no <laughs> Mostly because I don't know how to, um, I don't have a way of figuring out how they get generated. Uh, and I don't have a good CRT display here to, to watch them on. Uh, we'll, we'll have to have a discussion about that. I remember as a kid knocking together little programs that would allow you to put like a line after line of Semigraphics 24 and seeing which colors yeah. led exactly. into each other on the CRT. Oh, wow. The, you can get 44 colors out of it. In some of these later videos, it uh, looks like you've got the speed running a heck of a lot faster now. Yeah, it's. Uh, if, if you read through all the text, you can see see what I was what I was going through there. But um, yeah, yeah. Several years later, it, <laughs> the speed picked up and uh, <laughs> it started to look more like a game. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah. frame rate there. And here's a, here's a newer one here. Let's take a look at 
Oh yeah, look at that. Great frame rate. That looks really good. A few and seconds this... till I see the video because I'm watching the video on YouTube. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So, and this is four-player simultaneous cooperative too, which is pretty nice. That was all the, always the attraction of the game uh, on the BBC Micro, um, that four of us would be gathered around just a keyboard in that in that case, uh, yeah. all playing yeah. at once. I do like the design of it where you, the the four subscreens are independent of each other too because that was one thing that always bugged me about playing Gauntlet even in the arcades is that you had to have everybody hoarded on the same screen. So this is a bit more freeform. Yeah. That was that was a nice feature of the older style gaming. If you wanted to play with a friend, that friend had to be there. You know, So it was a little bit more personal. Multiplayer gaming was more personal because we did not have the internet and or anything else to do online gaming, you know, so. Yeah, except for a few modem-based games like Chess and Checkers and P51 and a couple of others, I think, like Othello and stuff, there wasn't that much, besides maybe shared adventure games or something. Right, right. Um, you know, if you look at a game like Dino Wars, Dino Wars was designed to require two players. Uh, you, you really couldn't play by yourself unless you just wanted to chew up a dinosaur that didn't move, you know. Um, there were a, a few games that were really, you know, centered around having another person there. Uh, what was one of the cool co-op games? Cashman was a pretty cool co-op game, you know, for the Coco. We had two people playing at the Cash same Man. time. Yeah. Now this looks bloody brilliant. It looks really good. Probably for that same reason. It's always good when multiple people can be playing together isn't it yeah. yeah i find that more personable than doing the network thing where you just hear each other headphones i mean this way you can actually kick the guy when he does something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that looks really good oh now we have a pal and ntsc option here let's take a look it looks really good Oh, now you get to pick your, this is your option screens here. You get to pick who you want to be. And your sound on off. Sound is here now, too. There we go. You hear the arrows firing. Yeah. Very basic, but... It works. It suits the it's... game well. I'll probably post the sound routine separately because it is two channels being mixed and they do have separate volume control, I suppose. Um, thinking about the previous discussion, I shouldn't really call it envelope as it's not adjusted automatically over time. You get the food. Oh, wow, that was cool. <laughs> now, th now, this would be kind of cool. I don't know, did the original game have any speech in it no not on the beep um, okay this would be kind of cool to add some like speech sound pack stuff where you can get the uh, voice you know it would and you get better elf, sound effects too elf shot the food <laughs> please kick elf <laughs> <laughs> oh here we go here's some NTSC artifacting looks good looks good 
Um, yeah. No video of that yet. Here, and then here's a download if somebody wants to download it, which I have just not had five minutes to sit down and, and work on anything on the Coco side of stuff recently. But I'm looking forward to trying this. I want to try it on the real Coco, and I want to try it on my Dragon. I haven't taken my Dragon out of the box yet, but I want to try it out on the Dragon. There's a good um, first game for you to try on it. Yeah, this, <laughs> this will be my first Dragon game. So, picking up the yeah. Sorry, getting a a keyboard layout that worked for the Coco took a while, but I did find one, and it does pl it does play on the Coco. That's awesome. How long have you been working on the project? <laughs> Depends how you measure it. Um, <laughs> you could say that uh, I say this in the in the blog, I suppose, that um, shortly after first seeing the game in presumably 1987 or something, I did start writing something for the dragon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I lost that, and it wasn't very good because I was very young. Um, this one, a few years. As in okay. the first video you showed, that was several years ago. Okay. Um, and it's only in the last few months that um, Stuart Orchard actually encouraged me to pick it up again. Okay. I thought, oh. well, yeah, all right. Did, and here we are. Yeah, your blog has been going back to, it looks like, uh, April 10th. So you've got at least a good couple months of blogging on it now, too. Yeah, that, that was inspired by him as well. He's, um, he's doing, have you seen his project? I, I'm just going to advertise somebody else's That's thing fine. here. That's fine. Worth seeing. Uh, is Return of the Beast project, 360-degree scroll, background scrolling and stuff, shooting enemies. What very platform cool. is that on? Dragon at the moment, I think. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to see that. Uh, see if you can post a link in the Skype chat, and I'll pull it up. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that one either. <laughs> You got me intrigued. 360-degree scrolling. <laughs> uh, let me find. So so it's been posted in the uh, World of Dragon forums, so I'm just looking in there. Okay. okay. I'm going to have to get into more Dragon stuff now, too, as, as I start to fire up my Dragon system. I'm interested to see what your take is on the Dragon joystick, since they were a bit different than the Cocos. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a pair. Uh, they're interesting. Found it. Okay, here we go. We're on the, the first page. Board. Return to the beast. Now, is this his blog or? The Return of the Beast blogspot. Yeah, that's his. Where, let me find a link to that. Okay, here we go. Return of the Beast blog spot. Let's pull that up. All right. All right, let me, let me share this over now to where you guys can see this. This looks pretty cool, too. Today is the day of looking at projects. I love it. Let me slide this over, switch screens. I'm not sure if there's any videos on there, so... That's okay. Um, we'll look at the artwork there. Trying it out might be the best. 
Okay, here's the uh, character data for the spaceship here. Looks like it can rotate pretty well. Okay, here is... Oh, you know what? I think, I for some reason, I think I might have saw this somewhere. Yeah, I remember like looking at all these color choices here. I do remember seeing some of this. I wasn't sure who... Um... Okay. Looking at all the different colors. Let's see if we have any more pictures of... Yeah, pretty detailed when we get into some of the assembly code and uh, pixel shifting. That's pretty interesting. If somebody's into learning how to do that kind of stuff. Okay, that's a pretty cool screen there. Wow. I think there's that's more a of a map screen. Yeah, there's a lot of pixels squeezed in there. That looks pretty tight. You've got to see it in action, really. Far so, more impressive than anything I've ever done. Okay. Is there a download for it? Because I'll bring it up. Yes, on the World of Dragon forum page. All right, we'll go back. First post. All right, we're, we're going back. Where did it go? Maybe I have to go back here. There we go. World of Dragon. Okay, robt.zip. All right, found it. Now, does this require a Dragon computer to run on? Uh, or emulator. Okay. XOR should work then. It should. I don't have. I don't currently have Dragon ROMs. Um, set up anywhere. Could I run it as a Cocoa or do I need to get some Dragon ROMs to make this work? Good question. <laughs> I can quickly anybody, try it and see. Do you know, do you know anybody does, does, with does he have an attract knowledge? mode in it? <laughs> does he have an attract mode in it? Because that should work on the Cocoa. Yeah, I'll try it in MAME. i got to find my my thing. I think I, I might have it in uh, MAME. Let's see. Okay. Oh, it's a, okay. There's a bin file in it. What is a, is VDK? What is that? Is that the right. disk? Yeah, that's a disk image format. Ooh. Will that will that VDK load into XROAR? Yes, if you have the Dragon ROMs. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get that real quick. I'm gonna go ahead and load up the. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and get the Dragon ROMs real quick. So we'll switch back. All right. Bear with me for just a second here, people. I do have XROAR running. Actually, let me check my MAME installation right now to see if I have it in MAME. Yeah, and to be honest, the two machines are similar enough. I, I think it's just like, you know, keyboard mappings that are different. So if, if it's got a detract mode or something, it might just run even on the Cocoa 1 2 emulation. Steve Bamford said that the uh, ROM locations are different, but if you write all your own routines and don't read the keyboard, you know, basically it'll just work. Okay. I don't currently have the Dragon ROMs, but do you, that can do be fixed. Do you want the ROMs? I've got them on my site right now. Uh, I can get them from the archive, too, either way. Six of one, seven of the other. Same. 
if you want them, you can just download them right now, you know. Um, All right, if you want to put the link out there, I'll grab them. Yeah, one moment. This would be cool to look at. Um, we might as well download. Um, we might as well download dungeons too. Once I get my dragon up here, we'll look at dungeons on the screen. So I've just given it a go. It does fire up in the cocoa. You have to press slash to start instead of space. Uh, and in theory, minus and dot should be left and right. <laughs> Which doesn't really work, but... Okay, which ones are the ROMs I want there? Are they the D32 and the D32 V1, D64 1, D64 Tano? Yeah, I think it's... You can get by with D32. Yeah, he needs a disc ROM as well, doesn't he? Yeah, um, so you'll want... D plus well, 49B. That'll do, yeah. All right, so I'm getting D32 ROM... I want. What else do I want? D plus forty nine B, or D plus fifty, which is the disk ROM. Okay, can they be saved as ROM files? They don't have to be zip files. Yeah, just save them as ROM files. In fact, it won't work as zip files. Xraw doesn't okay. unpack zips. Oh, but you're playing this in MAME, aren't you? I, I was going to stick him in MAME, but I have XROR too, so I just need a minute to find where I have XROR saved. I rebuilt my whole computer, so I don't have all my shortcuts recreated just yet. Uh, here we go. I found him. D, so one of them is called D32 Run. Yeah, d32.rom will be extended basic. And there's a d32v1. Do I need that one? Oh, I don't know what that is. There's a, there's a d64 underscore one rom. D64 tano rom. That'd be probably the US version. Right. And then you said the d plus 49b? Yeah, that's the disk rom. All right, can, let's see if I can get Karen, this going here. Can Karen just share the... Um, he's got it running on his already, so can he share the screen? Sadly, the Linux Skype client does not do screen shares. Ah. <laughs> At least not the groups. All right, so on... Um, let's see, okay. I've got DOS plus press any key. Okay, DOS Plus 49B, Dragon Data Limited, Basic Interpreter by Microsoft. Good. Sounds like you're away. All right, so let's see if we can get this puppy loaded here. Let's go back to the screen sharing. All right, so now I need to load this from a disk. Yeah, you need to map the disk. We're getting here. Okay, so it's the rotb.vdk. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. And is it still low M? Yes, the same thing. No. You guys spell you... M properly, though, right? No, no, it's uh, run to run something or just load. Load? Even if it's binary? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's run to run it? Ah, uh, no. Sorry. Run with a file name to run it, or load and then exec to, to load and run. Okay, Return of the Beast, a demo for the Dragon 32. Wow. Something in... Ooh, wow. I think I need to share audio again. Am I still sharing audio? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Nice. What do you need a sound chip for again? <laughs> Alright, space or fire to stop. Oh, wow, look at this. Look how smooth that is. Wow, look at the rotation too. Oh man, this is on a... Well, I'm playing it very well. That is incredible. Can you thrust? Okay, can't increase my speed. This is great. 60 degrees rolling. That's quite impressive. And it only needs 32k, not 64, correct? Yeah, I think so. Sound effects are quite good. I like it. Very smooth mask sprite character, you know? It's like pixel perfect. I like it. Alright. Let's take a look at dungeons now too. That's cool. That's very cool. Oh, Let's pull up dungeons. It's very good. Who needs a sound chip? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran did. Um, wow. Kieran was uh, was um, was he not using um, a, a version of uh, of Sid for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of so, course, he composed the music. That's the impressive bit. Yeah. Well, we we all know we all know uh, you know what he's like. <laughs> Okay, so is yeah. Dungeon is Dungeons Beta One the one I should be downloading right now, Karen? I think there's a beta two. Um, ah, if you go go back to the top and look at the navigation, there is a link to a sort of more downloady page. Navigation, where now? Okay, I'm I'm on the Dungeons page right now, though. Right. Uh, is there not a separate? You might be under. Sorry, my it's my menu and it looks awful, doesn't it? But there should be a separate link to slash dungeons okay. in. Wave. Main. Okay, Coco Disk Image Beta 2.1. There you go. There we go. 
Okay. okay. Let's see if we can find that within ourselves now. Oh, crikeys. My whole computer system. Where I have everything stored right now. Save this file. Okay, Dungeons Beta 2 1. Here we go. Did I not load the bloody file? Okay, Dungeons Beta 2.1.dsk. That's the one I should be getting, right? Did you get the uh, Coco yeah, version or the Dragon version? The Coco. I haven't actually built a disk version for the Dragon yet. Okay, I'll switch my machine over to Coco then. I mean, should that should that make a difference on how it's able to read the disk? Yeah, different disk formats. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, this one I know how to do. Okay. I know how to do a load M in an exec here. I think you've covered that in your basic series. <laughs> I've done this, yeah, I've done this a time or two. Hey, D Davey Mitchell's here. Hello, Davey. All right, Dungeons. Let's take a look at dungeons. Okay. Ah, original BBC Micro and Electron versions. Okay, thanks to all the World of Dragon forum for feedback. Very cool. Special thanks to Stuart Orchard, Super Alpha Tester. Okay, what's the key now? S slash, you say? Oh, any key at that screen. NTSC. Enter to continue. Press enter if screen is red. Ooh, we even have artifacts. Okay, sound on is S for on. Okay, uh, let's be a ranger. Press space to play. Ooh, okay. What do I press now? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, version. I believe that is two W, three, four, and five, possibly fire and one magic. For Ranger. Okay. Is that working? <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, so three and four are left and right. Two and W are up and down. And then you say space for fire? No, uh, five, I think, five. is fire. Yes, it is. Okay. And one is magic. Okay. Save keys to open doors. Oh, the reason... For that quite ridiculous keyboard layout, is because two of the players are on joystick and the joystick fire buttons interfere with quite a lot of the keyboard. Yeah. So I should really be playing this with a joystick. <laughs> you would be playing the barbarian or the fighter with joysticks. Okay, and right now there's no collision detection on the enemies? There is, but it's a bit loose. But it, that's a bit like the original, so I'm not too fussed. Okay. It's very fluid, though. Extremely fluid. The frame rates are very good. I like it. Oh, I just shot somebody. And Steve should know he plays a lot of video games. 
<laughs> I like it a lot. This is cool. This is very cool. Super. And in Any... theory, it should come into its own with multiple people. Yeah, yeah. That's quite impressive. It'd be the only four simultaneous player games the Coco 1 and 2 I think I know of, and I think only Gauntlet 2 on the Coco 3 did four. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're listening to Coco Talk, chances are you're interested in the Color Computer. If you'd like to find out more about the Color Computer, then visit my Coco Links page at imacoconut.com. There you will find communities, podcasts, YouTube channels, project sites, blog sites, hardware, software, buy, sell, trade, you name it. So for all things Color Computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut. Dot com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Yeah, I don't know of any dragon games that do more than a couple simultaneous. Yeah, there's a few that did three, like a Gauntlet. The original Gauntlet had one on keyboard, two on joysticks, and and Rampage, of course, has three same situation. But I don't think, except for Gauntlet two in this one. That's the only two I've ever seen try to jam four people on one Coco simultaneously. Or dragon. That's quite impressive. So, Karen, we've been having a lot of discussions about emulators uh, over the past 14 weeks we've been doing this show. You know, And I know it's sometimes it's a hot topic, sometimes it's a sensitive topic, and we're lucky enough to have you on the call right now. And you Are you the sole creator of XWAR, or have other people worked on it with you? Uh, no, it's mostly me. Okay. Um, I've had one or two contributions from outside. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully acknowledged where possible in the changelog. Um, but mostly me. Uh, I use it to, well, I mean, there's, there's a long his history behind it, but most of, most of what I use it for now is for recording the things I find out, like investigating the hardware. Um, Got me logic analyzers, got me scopes. It's okay. nice to have a hobby, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I started using it quite a bit in a lot of my videos. I started doing videos in VCC only because it was very easy to figure out how to use. And it wasn't until I realized that the artifact colors were not quite what they wanted to be. And so my next thing I started using, and I still use quite a bit, is XROAR. And I find for Coco 1 and 2 stuff, it's, it's a great go-to emulator. Uh, the artifact colors are fantastic. The compatibility is, is pretty spot on. There's, I haven't found too many things that don't run in it. Um, I think the only challenge I had was getting cartridges to work in it. But as far as disk-based stuff, I, there was very few things I think wouldn't run in XROAR. So... Uh, for Coco 1 and 2 stuff, it's it's a damn good emulator. And um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels fondly about it. I think it's it's a great product. And, um, you know, so thank you for, for doing that and for your continued work on that because it's 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 been it's been a great tool for me to use. Oh, it's nice of you to say. Um, the, the artifact in colors, as I think you pointed out last time, I, I started off by just ripping off the colors from MAME because... Main did a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. um, and then my workplace did... I saw, For a while, I knew that 
there was there was a way to do it better. Um, and my workplace did a series of lectures on finite impulse re response filters. And while I'm far too stupid to actually be able to create my own filters, it gave me enough understanding of how they work to write some code to implement one. And so the low pass filtering that happens before the NTSC decode in XROR now is pretty mathematically correct-ish. So it looks better. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Definitely Ish. does. And that's a that's a um, that's a hallmark feature of the of the U.S. cocoa is those um, artifact colors, the red and blue colors. I mean, we um, we've kind of grow to love and depend on them, you know, for our games and everything else. So. Yeah, it's you. You do get a much better color set there. Artificially, um, sort of forced, isn't it? Though, uh, without a bit of extra circuitry, you would be get you would be getting green and purple. Is that right? But you've got something that forces the VDG to to output a different sort of color burst signal. I think I think that's right. Uh, yes. I'm yeah, that's a little bit beyond me. But you, when you mentioned the green and purple, that that makes me think about the apple because the apple actually had two different ways to get artifacts out of it, where you had you had six colors instead of four. And I think green and purple were the other ones yeah. the apple two had, right? Yep, yeah, green and purple and yeah. orange and blue. Was wasn't there also a story in the uh, that book on the uh, the Coco, the colorful history of uh, Tainis under their computer? That they reworked the uh, the uh, inside of the cocoa, and then they <laughs> then they lost the artifact in color, so they had to yeah. put in some noise to get it back again. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sockmaster says there are there is a color burst modification circuit in the color computer one and two for P mode four colors to be red and blue. Okay. There's a man that would know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so that Dungeons game looks pretty cool. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a neat little project. Yeah. Uh, once I've got a proper ending sequence done, I'll, I'll make that a proper full release and yeah, have at it. Nice. Nice. And I'll release the source as well because, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not exactly my game. I can't claim any rights to it. <laughs> So, is the world randomly generated, or is it uh, something that you created the map for that particular version? No, these I have gratuitously ripped off from the original. Um, somebody online had reverse engineered the level format and written some Python tools to sort of deconstruct them. So I, re I rewrote some stuff in, in Perl and... Uh, just translated them into my format, and so they were the original levels, but they're all in RAM at once, unlike the original, where each one was loaded off tape or disk. That's cool. I wonder how hard it would be to make a level editor then. Not too hard, although to the the levels as they stand are all um, compressed, and I've not written a compression tool to to run actually on the six zero nine yet. So. Is it early compression, like a fairly simple one, or? Uh, it's a really trivial LZ style. Oh, okay. Trivial. Yeah. The trivial is a relative oh. term. <laughs> yeah, that's even relative to some of them. For me, it's quite it went trivial. by head. 
right? That's very cool. So do, do you, um, what, what, what do you feel like is your take on uh, the kind of these kind of pissing contests on whose emulator is the best or what's your favorite emulator and this and that and the other? Obviously, you've got a stake in, in your own, but there's always a lot of chatter about VCC, MAME, XROAR. Um, how do you feel about all I, that controversy? I am far too lazy to care. <laughs> use what works yeah as I, as I say for me it's XROAR is exists because of personal reasons um i'm glad some people some other people find it useful that's all yeah excellent excellent now you you've you've mentioned that uh, or i think we asked a question earlier on about any possibility of of a gimme and coco 3 emulation you're saying it's possible but no um, no timeline or anything else like that for yeah that's basically the situation i actually have a version a branch starting up as a coco 3 with a higher resolution i uh, i think as i left it i just had had various colors mapped force mapped into the old vdg colors um and anything that didn't require any gaim gimme whatever specific nonsense was sort of working but as soon as anything tried to use timers or the uh, extra irq triggers or anything like that obviously it all falls down one day there will be time and yes sockmaster i will be using your demos to, <laughs> <laughs> to try and get it right the ultimate but I don't know gimme test that. right now, of course, the critical thing in emulation is to make sure that David Ladd's 20 sectors per track thing works. So does that work, Andrew? <laughs> um, let's not go there because I don't think Karen wants to cover that at the moment after his nice discussion. Oh, I know, I know what needs to be done. I'm interested that within a couple of weeks, given that I'm reasonably, you know, I'm reasonably um, reassured about how stable XRO tends to be. In a couple of weeks, he's found two ways of one crashing it and and another causing data corruption. So it's quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> or annoying, depending on your point of view. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm sorry. I like I like pushing the envelope. That's kind of like what I was telling I was telling David. He's kind of like the the mini Simon Jonason because I think Simon had mentioned before too that he's found yeah. ways to find. A couple of times, didn't I, Karen? Yeah, <laughs> I think you may well have done. You certainly found bits that it didn't do right in terms of video synchronization and whatnot. Yeah, it still isn't perfect. No, no it's perfect enough. <laughs> perfect enough. Yeah. Right. At least we get really funky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I kind of look at it as like uh, none of them are ever going to be completely perfect. They all do a pretty darn good job, and I'm 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 happy that we have choices. You know. Um, I'm happy that we have more than one thing to choose from and, and all of them do pretty well and some do one thing better than the other and you can always switch between them when you need that option, you know. Um, On the subject, Simon, you might have actually tried this. I, I think you were going to. Yeah. Has anyone, have you, made use of the fact that you can smooth scroll the text screen in anything? Uh, you know what I mean. You you force a row preset signal through motion. Yeah. Um, no, the only thing I've done, the only thing I've done is is 
uh, text over graphics, uh, like bouncing it up and down. Either, ah, right. Either a graphic screen bouncing up and down or a text screen bouncing up and down. But yes, you can, like you say, using the row preset, you can actually force um, a smooth scroll. And, and actually, um, oh, God. So Stewie actually made Stewie actually made usage of that at some point in time on a on a Mode Four version of um, of the game you were just playing. Wow! Because I, I, I had something going with Stu uh, a couple of years ago uh, when we made the music loader and all that. Um, where, where I showed him, look, you can actually make the screen scroll by just fussing about with a couple of registers and not doing anything, yeah? So you actually made use of it to scroll a, a PMO4 screen with literally no overhead. Wow. So even on a text screen, you can get smooth scrolling of the text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's an internal counter that um, resets well is reset every 12 lines and it indexes into the into the VDG font um, and by changing video modes to and from something probably to to graph to graphics mode and back again can't quite remember that is there's a, a reset is forced so do it at the right time and yeah you can smoothly bounce your text around so did you trigger that when the when it's in the horizontal blank then or something well, the first, the first twelve lines. Um, uh, if if I'm right, sixty, you 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 have to back me up here because. Um, but the first twelve lines, the row preset is not triggered. Yeah. Okay. It's, so you have to do it once on the on the yeah. the very first character cell height. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, basically. You, need to, you need to read the VDG doc. You look, need to look at the the vertical timing on it. Because row preset, if you trigger it at the right time, um, and that's not the only trick, because you can also s scroll the screen left and right, you know, and, and I mean, you've seen that, actually, in 42-byte mode. I can scroll it left and right by a byte at a time. I've seen your Coco bouncing left and right, yes. <laughs> yes, and this, again, is just hardware trickery. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams author of Temple of Ram in Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Hey guys, Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com, featuring hand-drawn custom designs and pixel art by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. We've got the brand new official Coco Talk t-shirt, I'm a Coconut t-shirt, and all kinds of other cool video game and arcade-related artwork. Check out 8bit256.com for all your retro swag needs today. Trickery. Well, yeah, it is trickery because you're just confusing the VDG counters. But so I'm, I'm assuming you're saying right now you can do this in XROAR then too, right? Yes, you can do it in XROAR. I think most of that is reasonably uh, accurate 
it's it's other areas like if you run in double speed mode for any period of time I, it's not quite accurate enough yet i think maybe <laughs> i can't remember yeah, that's pretty cool i'd like to see a demo on that at some point in time what i am intrigued about kieran is is um 48 byte mode oh yeah yeah that's the one hey, guardian no. uses that's the one um, it's a lovely side effect of the way um, count, binary counters work, because you know that the uh, the VDG clears. Is it no the SAM? You put the SAM into the right mode, and the SAM clears certain bits of its video address when it gets a horizontal sync pulse. Um, in the right mode, and because the VDG has generated more address fetches than there are actually bytes in a line, it it sort of ends up clearing a set of, set of bits where the top bit was set. And obviously that's then a one that's transitioning to a zero and a, in a binary counter that causes the next, the next bit up to ripple on and you actually advance 16 bytes instead of sort of resetting to the beginning of the line as you would normally expect. So yeah, that's what Guardian does. Right, okay. So I got I got control over uh, over forty two byte mode, uh, and I could actually scroll. Um, I d if you seen it, I, I made an image because I was using P mode four, and the image is like two fifty six pixels. But I made an image that was actually uh, forty two bytes wide, and I could scroll it backwards and forwards. Um, just was, was that the picture of your Coco? Yes. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, I mean, it's not a smooth scroll, but if you had, if you had, um, it's scrolling a byte at a time, which is quite a big, was quite a big jump in P mode four. It's like eight pixels, but yeah, eight pixels. If you had um, two screens and you shifted between them, then you can get a four pixel scroll, which is, or, or uh, maybe four screens, but that's going to eat up like well. Six times twenty-four k in it. It's going to eat up twenty-four k. Um, but but yeah, yeah, potentially you could make a smooth scroll out of it. Yeah, and I mean to be honest, some some games did use a full byte scroll and actually don't look that bad anyway. If you have the speed keeping up, like Sea Dragon, I believe uses a full byte horizontal. Yeah, yeah. But this is just hardware. This is just pushing. If you look at it, um, it's potentially built upon the fact that. If you shift, which is probably the first time I broke X more. Yeah, I think you remember. It. <laughs> um, I, re I remember the first time. <laughs> yeah. If you shift We're from a six, if you shift from her. <laughs> oh, sorry. If you shift from a, a lower resolution mode to a higher resolution mode across the line, the SAM uh, on the VDG has to count it out, so it pushes. It pushes the image into the border. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's uh, it's it spends some time render, rendering double width pixels, and then you get back, go switch back to a thirty-two byte mode, and it's forgotten where it is. So yeah, it, you you end up drawing into the border, but it still draws as much. I think it still draws as much right-hand border, and therefore the line length gets out of kilter. So if you did that on an actual CRT. Um, you can push it so far, but push it 
further and the the horizontal sync just gets is in completely the wrong place and the crt can't pick can't keep up yeah it goes it, it does if you do it too much i mean you can do it maybe one byte two bytes into the border sounds about right yeah if you do it further than that because you can actually push it as far as you want to then it then it will start waving all over the place <laughs> sounds like you're speaking from experience <laughs> it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like um we are controlling transmission we control the horizontal we yeah control yeah the, the outer limits <laughs> out, the outer limits of the oh vdg <laughs> to make a good effect in the game i mean you wouldn't yeah. want to play the game that way i guess but yeah if, you got, if your ship gets hit or something you could do that to wave the screen around yeah, you can. Yeah. Uh, literally, you can. You can totally just screw the screen up. It's kind of like the later levels of Xenix there. When you get hit, it, it shakes the whole screen back and forth. Mind it's a Coco Three gimme game, but it's using a horizontal yeah. scroll register. But you could do the same effect on a Coco One, Two, or a Dragon. Yeah, that would probably be quite a nice effect, just temporarily. No screen distortion. Nice. Get some get some sound distortion, get some video distortion going too. I think if I'm trying to remember the Canyon Climber game Steve Bjork did, didn't that use that on the vertical? It changed the resolution to do that whole bouncing, shaking thing. Yeah, it jumped up and down like the uh, like the business Sixty's uh, talking about or Kieran's talking about with with uh, scrolling text screen. It's kind of the same thing. You just have yeah. to bash. You have to bash something at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Which it, uh, potentially, potentially, this is what Sockmaster's doing on a Coco Three with with his bouncy ball thing. You've got to bash something at the right time. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the ball itself is is palette animation, and and, and it, well, the bouncing up and down. It well, yeah, it, it's it's bashing something at the right time. Is n nothing's being moved. I seem to remember that bouncing ball was something that absolutely, definitely did not work in my Coco 3 so far. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's got to be the go-to thing you run to make sure that you, everything works, you know. It's like the, the, what, I, what I use to test the 64K Coco is I'll just load up Sailor Man, you know, because if it's that, that game uses all the RAM. So if that game works, I know the 64K system works. <laughs> Such a good game, too. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, Ed, you still with us? Yep, I'm here. Any anything on? I know you got a lot on your plate, but is there anything else you're working on that you want to share with us, hardware or software wise? Um. Well, I can't think of anything that wouldn't already be known right now. I mean, we have the the Coco VGA boards will be uh, released pretty soon. Very cool. Coco two and uh, yeah, there's the YM board and. Yeah, I'm not sure. You've probably well, seen it. <laughs> well, what, what do you got right now that you need to unload? If, if anybody needs to buy like a Coco SDC, have you got product right now that we should let people know about if they're looking to buy anything like mini MPIs or SDCs or anything like that? Oh, well, I do have some mini MPIs and SDCs, but, uh, you know, I don't really need to unload them. They go about as fast as I can build them anyway. <laughs> okay, okay. 
good. That's a good problem but, to have. Yeah. But if anybody wants something, you know, just uh, email me and see if I have it, basically. What what I, f- I think somebody mentioned this before, but what does the mini MPI sell for? Was that eighty dollars with the case? Yep, with the case and power supply. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. And then you can then you have more than one cartridge port, so that opens up a lot of stuff you can do. Right, 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 right. Now the only thing the the MPI will not handle the twelve volt stuff like the original MPI does, right? Um, well, on the mini MPI, if if you're using it with a a Coco One that has the 12 volt voltage at the cartridge port, then it will relay it through, so that stuff will work. But if you're using it on, say, a Coco Two where or three where there isn't 12 volts available at the cart port, then it won't be there. So like it w- it wouldn't be able to drive like an old FD 501 controller or something like that on a Coco Two. Right. Right. Only on Coco. Right, right, right. Okay. But I, I don't know how big of a deal that is when you have the Coco SDC, but that was always something I was curious about because it's so small, you know. Um, a real multi-pack is nice, but they're hard to find. They take up a heck of a lot of room, you know. Um, you have to make sure it's upgraded if you have a Coco 3. Yeah, make sure it's upgraded for the Coco 3. So uh, I'm lucky I have one, you know. Actually, I've got a couple I'm going to be unloading. Um of the real MPIs, so they're nice to have, but they're they're giant box cars, you know. It's like a giant sidecar to your Coco. <laughs> so, yeah, and a lot of the time you only need one other slot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, all I would need is like a Coco SDC and a speech sound card or something like that, you know. So uh, my needs are simple, or some other type of sound card. So unless, of course, you're me and want sixteen slots. Yeah. <laughs> or me and Bill back in, in work days because we ran out with four. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And Wayne's been very quiet in the background there. Wayne, can you hear us? I think Wayne's having a whole other conversation now. Um, this has been the first call we've had Wayne on, too. That would be nice to hear from Wayne. about What was his project where he was reading the um, Basic 09 stuff? Decode? Yeah, a disk decompiler for Basic 09. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can restore points. source code for a, a packed program if you've lost the source or if it's from third party and you want to try to patch it or whatever. I think Wayne fell asleep. Now he's back there talking to somebody else in the room. I see his mouth moving. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, we got, we, got, we got Wayne in the Skype call, so hopefully he'll be able to join us again. Uh, we got Karen in the call. This is great. This has been a good. This has been good to have some... Some new blood in here, too, to talk about some stuff where it's not just us talking about Ed's stuff. It's better to hear it from Ed, you know? <laughs> oh, Wayne, are you coming back? Wayne, do you read me? <laughs> Somebody sent a smoke signal out there. He's talking to somebody. <laughs> what, At least what he muted. We- yeah, what can we expect next from the great Simon Jonasson and all of his mad uh, demos? Uh, what can you expect? Yeah, what can you expect? I, I, at the moment, I'm I'm playing about with Lindell's uh, uh, cartridge. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to convince him to to put a switch on it. Uh, put speech on it. No, a switch, a switch oh, a on switch. it. Um, to disable the to disable the ROM boot. 
because it's basically a ROM cartridge um, with with an SN chip on it. But if you can actually double it as as a, a sound cartridge at the same time, you probably have a larger audience. I so, agree. Yeah, I had asked that question, and I think he said it was using the same line as the disc controller, though, so it wouldn't work in a multi-pack. Yeah. We we had we had the same discussion yesterday. Um, yeah. Where then it's using the SCS line. Um, uh, so you're using FF41, um, and it's potentially it's potentially well naffing up the sorry sodding up the uh, the disc control at the same time. So so uh, question is how how are you going to do it? Because I mean there's a lot of potential for a very cheap sound cartridge. Uh huh. Well, from my perspective on that, um, the MPI and uh, ADS should work the same way, is that the, the SCS line is only used on the slot that's active. So if you've got the Coco SDC in one slot and one of those cartridges with the sound chip in the other slot, You'd have to bounce between slots to update the sound chip and then flip back to continue your your disk access. Right, that that is correct. And uh, the media player uh, video that we saw earlier, where I'm playing the YM files, I'm doing that in the code. It's switching SCS back and forth between uh, the Coco SDC and the sound card. Oh, wow. What what I'm on about here is. Uh, as long as you can load the disc, you've got you've got the floppy disk controller or the SDC in one slot. You can load the disc, and then you just say to the MPI, "Look, I want slot two or slot three or whatever," and then you don't care about it because the code here is so tiny. Uh, Pattern-based music, it's so tiny. All you want to do is just access the sound chip off the cartridge. So being able to switch off the ROM auto starts, um, potentially, it's potentially it's like it's like the Orchestra 90 just putting a piece of tape across the auto start line. Yeah. This is oh, oh, you're talking about switching both the ROM and the uh, data lines. I, I just want I I want the I want the Game Master cartridge to have the option to not auto start. Well. If if you only switch SCS, it should not have started. Uh, yeah, because with the MPI, you can... There's two different things you can ahead. switch with the MPI register. You can switch SCS from slot to slot, or um, the, the cart and the other signal there. They stay together, and you can switch those as well. Uh, when I did it, I just left those on the... On the that only switch SCS, which won't uh, won't trigger the auto start interrupt. So, the only I mean at the moment the only the only thing I have uh, to play with is actually a, a, a pre-release of of Mess Mame, uh, where we're using the MPI. Mm -hmm. The game master and the floppy disk controller at the same time. Um, Are you just running an emulator? Not you don't have real hardware. You're trying this out on. I don't have the cartridge. 
Uh, I don't have yeah, the cartridge. I think on real hardware, you, yeah, just like Ed says, once you switch across, um, yeah, you can just bounce between the two and stop the auto start. Yeah, because um, I mean that's a that's the problem. I, mean, I, I, I want to I want to make a a, a pattern based player where we can take my. A, a, uh, it doesn't matter if it's an AY chip, an SIN chip, a SID chip. It doesn't really matter. Uh, chips are chip. You know what we need to do is just offload the overhead, um, which is a good thing with a chip because that will just continue the tone. I mean the AY. You you say to it, I want I want uh, a A4, which is 440 hertz or something, and it would just play it indefinitely. Because it's got internal counters, you don't have to update it all the time like we'd have to do with with DAC. Yeah, and you just feed it notes every every V sync or every other V sync or something, uh, which offloads so much of the overhead, um, and it would be a pity not to be able to instead of and it, don't get me wrong here, don't get me wrong. What you're doing is, is bloody impressive, yeah? But register dumps, we can take something from another computer and play it, and it sounds really good, yeah? Um, but it'd be better, instead of having to use masses and masses and masses of RAM, uh, to make a pattern-based player where you could actually compose for it yourself. Oh, I, I agree totally. Uh, the reason I'm doing the register dumps is to get us some material to actually use the, you know, to be able to do something with the, the card right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, John done John done the same thing uh, when he demoed uh, when he demoed his his game master car at uh, Coco first, playing tubular bells and playing uh, just general SN register dumps. Yeah. But the, the files themselves are massive. And they don't need to be. I think what Ed's doing is he is he's streaming, uh, so he's not using RAM so much. Uh, the the files are stored on the SD card, so he's streaming five hundred twelve bytes at a, at a time mm. and feeding them straight to the sound card. <coughs> so he's not really using so much RAM as he's using SD card space. So. Right with the uh, with the media player that was in the video, that's using a one K buffer. Yeah, so it's not yeah, it's not loading the whole the whole tune in memory as such. Um, so that that's all right. You you you're just using up space on the SD card, which you know the SD card's huge anyway. So right, it's using the streaming function of the SDC um, cartridge now. Right, but you know there are two different things. Playing register dumps, we get a big uh, library of stuff that's already out there that's cool to play and listen to. But what Simon's talking about, you know, we will need that for for games. We really need to get uh, a system together where we can um, put together pattern-based music and and actually use it in programs. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Yeah. What I do at the moment, what I do at the moment, because um, 
when I got interested in this, um, because there was, it was always, for me, it was always like, oh, why the hell can't Coco play at the same time as it's doing something? Let's break that limit. And I got hold of a guy from, from the ZX Spectrum scene, uh, Utz, you know, a, a German guy, lives in Holland, who makes one bit music. And we got talking back and forth, and I just made a, a pattern based player. And Utz put me onto the fact that you can use, say, Open MPT or something and make an XM file, and we can convert this XM file into, into data. Uh, what we have to do is, is I mean, for my, for my players uh, using the Coco DAC or the Coco One bit, you've got a very limited, um, well, the cheapest player just uses a sawtooth wave to make it cheap, if you start adding, if you start adding waveform shaping, and I think Kieran probably backed me up on it, if you start adding waveform shaping, it gets expensive. Hi, this is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Strobe play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and when you're done with Coco Talk, if you gotta have more cowbell, then head on over to my YouTube channel for your share of gameplay goodness. There you will find over 1,300 family-friendly gameplay videos. Everything from the old school to the next gen, and over 200 color computer gameplay videos, as well as interviews and replays of Coco Talk. So if you need your share of gameplay goodness, then check out the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh on YouTube at youtube.com slash OG Stevie Stroke. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we end up having to make tables of different waveforms. Although selecting between sawtooth and square is quite easy because you can self-modify in an AND instruction or a shift instruction, as I recently noticed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what we what we potentially do is we have 256-byte tables. Okay, I think John Linville is trying to call in right now, too. I need to do another juggling. Keep talking, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> we have 256-byte tables of a given waveform that repeats itself. And for me, I don't know about I don't know about Sid, Kieran. I don't know about Sid, but for me, I just modify the least significant byte of a pointer. Yeah, I think um, most of these work the same way, don't they? Um, Rems's Cocosid is the the first one I saw that that it really showed the way. Yeah, um, that was really that's really neat. You've you've all seen the Cocosid stuff. You must have done it. Was on on the list a, a while ago. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I I've definitely seen Cocosid. Uh, there was a bit of a. A back and forth then as we all sort of chipped in and optimized bits of the um the core sort of fragment playback yeah thing and yeah you self you self modify a pointer into the table and yeah you maintain a 16-bit pointer and you use the top eight bits to to index into the into the uh, wave table yes so i mean it's it's, it's i mean it's, it's very interesting stuff and if you do it if you do it in an efficient way, you can actually do other stuff at the same time. I mean, 
Crimes. We've we've loaded a tape at the same time. Um, uh, did you see? Did you see Stuart actually took Sid and and took the ocean loader and loaded a tape at the same time, based on the stuff that I and he did back in there. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, getting getting it all rewritten to use constant time routines, which I assume you would have had to have done for that is pretty cool. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I did... The, the stuff The stuff we did, the first stuff we did was, was pretty simple because it just, it just relied on, on what would have been, what would have been a, a timing loop in, in, in the zero crosses. For a certain cycles. So, but but for for, for but for Stuart to take that and put Sid into it with three voices and and waveform shaping at the same time, I was blown away. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, but Stuart Stuart he shares stuff, and Stuart is a oh, he's a good guy, you know, and he gives you. He gives you a good pointer and he gives you an idea and then you put, present something to Stuart and Stuart's like, oh shit, why didn't I think of that, you know? <laughs> so it's a case of, it's a case of sharing at the end of the day. It's just a case of, yeah, the more we share, the better it gets. Yeah. Agreed. So Simon, John Linville has joined the call. If you want to ask the question again about the uh, Game Master cartridge and the... Uh yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let me turn the light on because um, I can open this. It's not dark, but yeah. but that kind of stuffs up the screen. Yeah, all right. My son turned the light on. Good. <laughs> so, John, we were talking We were talking yesterday on Facebook about um, the Game Master cartridge. Yeah. Um. We were talking about. Um, I said to you, maybe add add some kind of switch or something, so we could disable the ROM auto start, so anyone could use the SIN chip for anything. Yeah, that was your suggestion. <laughs> but you you kind of came back to me and said, look, it's 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 piddling with the it's piddling with the uh, with the disc controller at the same time, so. Right, it only uses the, the SCS signal for decoding the chip. Well, it, it actually does a little bit more than that because it decodes between the, the ROM bank switching and and the chip. Um, but either way, it's still using SCS for the decoding. So what does this what does this mean for what does this mean for me? Well, basically, it just means you can't use it with the uh, floppy drive controller and any other devices that might decode lazily the way the floppy driver controller does. Okay, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not into, I'm not into all the hardware signals on the cartridge core because I've never actually played with. Uh, making cartridges or anything else, so I don't know if anyone else has got any input on that. I think John's done designing his cartridge as a game ROM pack with a sound chip. It's not really um, 
yeah, being designed as a sound card on its own. No, I just, I just, I just thought at the same time as yes, um, if we do have a game ROM, it would be nice to like be able to disable the ROM and use the cartridge for another purpose. You know, so anyone, even from basic, could actually access a sound chip with that. Sure, I mean, it can be done. Um, you know, it just. Uh, you know, that's, that's how I developed my demo. <laughs> but, uh, you know, right now it's a bit fiddly. You know, you have to, like, like you say, put a piece of tape over the, the, the uh, cart signal and, and uh, switch the uh, SES signal using your MPI or, or replacement. And, um, and then you can access the hardware and play whatever music you want from whatever language you're programming in. Yeah. Uh, and so that's fine. For me or you, um, and you know, probably a number of the people on the call at least, um, but it, it's not a real nice thing to go and and sell to whoever walks in at Coca Fest that half of half of whom are, um, let's just say, less technically inclined than the average audience member here. <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, it's like like Nick was saying. You know, I designed the cartridge as a games cartridge to, to support, you know, sale with a game. Hmm. Uh, if we wanted to have something as a separate audio card, I, I would feel like it probably needs to be redesigned um, to to have a you know a a address assigned to it, and then the hardware added to it that it needs to decode that address and assert SLINB or whatever. Um, which, you know, it's it's not that difficult. It just, it's, you know, a little a little more designing and a little different or, or a little more hardware to build. Right, right. I mean, you know, if if you're comfortable, I heard you and Ed uh, talking a little bit uh, a few minutes ago about uh, just, just switching Slim B as your player plays. Uh, if you're comfortable with that, then it's pretty easy to redesign. You just rip off the the, the ROM switching parts and <laughs> and just leave it as is. Um, and then uh, you know the, the players can switch um, SCS as necessary. Because hmm. what I liked about it, what I liked about it, um, and if, uh, also with Ed's cartridge, what I like about it is is the fact we don't have the overhead of what we have on the speech sound pack, the speech sound pack with um, with having to uh, every time the pick has to to put a byte into the A wire chip, you have to wait for it to say, "Okay, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready?" And that's, I mean, you know yourself that the overhead on that is is diabolical. The, the problem with the uh, sound and speech pack, though, is it doesn't work on a Coco 3 without modification. So how many people have modified their, for, for those that have it, how many have modified it to work on a Coco 3? Yeah, I mean, why are we always, well, at the end of the day, we're always met with a brick wall. <laughs> because <Yeah>. Coco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something for us to slam our heads against. Yes. Um, walls are meant to be broken through or climbed over anyways, right? So, um, oh, 
Of course they are, but it doesn't mean we can't bitch about it. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mr. Linville, is there anything you want to update us on on Tandy Assembly? Hi, I'm Mark Barlett with Sandy Weimer. We're from Cloud9, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. Something new is coming. Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly is about Radio Shack and Tandy Computers. Tandy Assembly is about interacting. Tandy Assembly is about people. Tandy Assembly is about fun. The first gathering of its kind. Computers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All Radio Shack and Tandy makes and models. Join, Join us. Don't miss Tandy Assembly. In Chillicothe, Ohio. October 7th and 8th. Whether you're near or far. Tandy Assembly is for everyone. Visit our webpage at www.tandyassembly.com. Tandy Assembly. Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we lost John's or audio. he's breaking up, maybe. Let's switch over to the Tandy Assembly website and take a quick look here. If I can find it on my scenes here. I swear to God, I got too much stuff going on here. I'm getting cross-eyed looking at my screens. Okay. Here we go. All right. So here's, here's Tandy Assembly. All right, so here's we looked at this last week. This is the exhibitor area. This looks like this hasn't changed much. Uh, no, we can't hear you, John. All right, so we have we still have our keynotes and our speakers. Okay, that hasn't changed too much yet. Um, we looked at exhibitors. If you want to speak, send an email to gmail.com. That's funny. Oh, if you want to speak, yeah, if you'd like to be a speaker, right. So if you would like to be a, um, a speaker at Tandy Assembly, we need to do that. Uh, let, me, let me put that in the, uh, in the YouTube chat. Right. So if somebody would like to um, speak at Tandy Assembly, that can be done. And um, that would be, um, let me see if I can just paste that in here. Okay, so it's tandyassembly at gmail.com if you would like to be a speaker there. Um, I don't think that that's been updated too much yet. So uh, under contact, it's just tandyassembly at gmail.com. Our current speaker lineup right now is Scott Adams, uh, Don French, and Lance Miklas. Hopefully more to come on more speakers. What I don't see on here either is um, we don't know if we're going to have a uh, Tandy Jam. You know, we got used to the Coco Fest uh, Jam sessions. Uh, I don't know if Brian Schubing, the music man, is going to be here because he usually, you know, at Coco Fest at least does things like the national anthem and stuff like that. So... <laughs> what are you saying here? I nominate both Steve and Curtis. For what? What's that for, Grant? 
Hey, come here, give me please. Hey, Simon, say hi to Benjamin for us. He's here. Hey, Ben. Hey. How's it going, eh? Fine, I'm just gonna lift this cat down. Alright. <laughs> He's playing with the cat. Ah. Very cool. Well, we did we did have Neil Blanchard come on towards the end of last week and mention that we are there is going to be a uh, no minimum bid auction at Tandy Fest, Tandy Assembly. Um, so that's going to be a nice thing to look forward to, and hopefully there'll be enough um, donations to have a, a lot of goodies to bid on. You know. Oh, Grant Grant says he wants to speak at Tandy Assembly. <laughs> Grant's nominating Curtis and I to speak at Tandy's. <laughs> Why don't you go up there, Grant? Um, yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. All right, so, yeah, Tandy Assembly is only, uh, shoot, a little less than four months away now, which is right around the corner. How many of us here in the call think they might be able to make Tandy Assembly? I know Curtis has work schedule obligations. Yeah. I would like to, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm wanting to go, but it depends on how things go with my car. <laughs> oh yeah. You got your little tornado situation going on there. Well hopefully it's not a three month repair cycle there. What about you, Ed? You think we might get you out to Tandy Assembly? <clears throat> well, I haven't planned on it yet, so Plan on it. Plan on it. <laughs> Grant Grant says he's going to be there. Okay, that's good. Grant Leedy will be there. Um, one of the things that I'm I want to find out from uh, Ron Klein is if Ron's going to make it. Because if Ron doesn't make it, then maybe I'll bring a cocoa pie as well to show off. Uh, but if Ron is there, I'd rather let rather let him show that off since that's kind of his baby. Um, but I think that cocoa pie is a, such a cool little thing. Yeah, that's wicked. That's really wicked. And it solves so many problems. This whole three hundred dollar cocoa three problem is solved when you can buy a raspberry pie for forty bucks. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, John says slots are filling. Don't delay if you want to speak. Okay, slots are filling. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know, John, if you can hear us, but the one thing I mentioned on a couple of these forms, you know, the forms that you guys are circulating are not really forms. They're like PDF files that we can't modify. So I had to like take the um, exhibitor form, save it as a Word document so I could fill it in and send it back to you. So if you guys could either distribute the forms in some type of modifiable format where people can type into them, that would be a little bit easier, you know. Either and, and the, I guess the, I guess the word document's the easiest way because I think everybody can read that. To create a PDF with fillable forms is a little bit more work. Okay, oh, Randy is supposed to be doing that. Okay, there we go. Very cool. All right, so we have Tandy Assembly on the horizon. We have um, all kinds of projects going on right now. I mean, these 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 dragon games that we looked at today look pretty damn cool. Uh, it's amazing, especially, I guess, if you use a little bit of a lower resolution mode, you're obviously going to get a little bit more speed because you're moving fewer bytes across the screen. 
but it still looks good. I actually kind of favor the larger pixels. It looks a little bit more retro, you know? Yeah, they both look pretty impressive. Indeed, indeed. So what else we want to talk about before we wrap up today's Coco Talk? I think we've I think we've beat it. We've we've beat this show for a good two hours. We could probably give it a rest, but we can close on something. Covered everything I wanted to talk I, about, so Yeah, I don't have anything else myself. Yeah, it was great having some new blood on the show for sure. Thanks, Ed, for sharing. Thanks for everything you do for the Coco community. Yes, Ed. No problem. It's lots of fun. I'm a big <laughs> fan of your work. <laughs> we all. I'm, lo I'm looking at I'm looking at three um, SDC cards in front of me right now. Coco SDC. So I got a couple of those. Your um, your v your um, RGB to S video adapter has been a lifesaver for me recording off my Coco 3. That's a fabulous invention. Ed, um, have you got to, had any thoughts of uh, creating a sound card using the uh, FM chips? There's, there's the FM 2412, uh, I think uh, it's called. It's a very low-cost chip. Um, I, I added a link to the uh, chats just now with a sample sample track it sounds pretty good i don't know if uh steve can just bring that that link up uh you know i you know definitely that might be something to do in the future uh, i have thought about it a little bit uh, i guess i want to get this other one out there first <laughs> but it's just to um establish a, a standard what whereby um, game programmers can start using it, I guess, um, if you have too many know. different chips. There are a couple too many of chips, I think, that uh, support, you know, are backwards compatible with the, the AY and YM2149. Uh, not all of them are, from what I was reading, I think, but there are a couple, I think, that are. So we might be able to get into that territory and still, you know, have compatibility with the the AYYM chip. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, did you see that link I, I just uh, put on the um, on the chat there, Steve? Oh, okay. Uh, FM chips is a two dollar FM chip. YouTube, the Death Worm. You want me to pull that up? Yeah, I just thought if you share the audio. Okay. It's just that the, the, the music for this sounds a lot better. So I think All right, can you guys hear it? Yep. Oh, yeah. This is like an ad lib. And that's the chip right there. Sounds like a good PC ad lib sound blaster type. <laughs> Fedor's got a stormtrooper. Storm <laughs> <laughs> 
I've got all the full-size helmets up in the attic somewhere. I've got Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, Boba Fett. <laughs> Holy crap. Geek much? <laughs> Out geeks! Yeah, I've even got a Darth Maul one, but it's uh, that, that's like a rubber one. It's not the hard one. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. Yeah, not a, it, not a it just sounds chip. less uh, like a toy sound chip. Uh, the, yeah. the YM's good, but it sounds like it's a, a retro chip, whereas the um, the YM2413 sounds a bit more like a an actual keyboard playing. So, yeah. And it's cheap. as Well, this particular one, there's a whole range of the uh, FM chips, but this is the cheapest one. Okay. Uh, and I just thought, you know, for, for me... Um, Music is probably the the main reason I'd be looking at having a sound chip for any of my my games at least. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this chip really sounds good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disqualify the AY chip at all. Um, I'm going to post a link in the chat, right? And you just have a listen, Steve. Just have a listen to it because this yeah. is a this is a 48k. ZX Spectrum. Okay, playing on an AY chip. I said a 48k ZX Spectrum. I'm going to post a link. Okay. Okay. The battle of the chips. The battle of the <laughs> chips. This is it's the same chip that is on the that is on Ed's cart right now, or on the speech sound cartridge. Okay. Hi, I'm Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software. I won an award and I have a cool shirt. And you're watching the original gamer do old stuff. From Radio Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers, the computer experts. So give me, give me like 10 seconds or something just to find it. Okay, 9, 8, <laughs> 7, <laughs> 6. The, the, thing, the thing with the YM <laughs> is that it, it has a lot of built-in preset sounds. So you don't have to actually define the, 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 the sounds. It gives you one channel you can you can define your own. Okay. But there's built-in sounds. So you don't have to store the sounds or it's 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 easier to create the music. You you just have to concentrate on the music. Not the music. Okay. Here's Simon's name.
This is the same chip that's in the speech sound cartridge? Yes. Pretty good. So, don't dismiss the don't dismiss the AY chip because in the right hands, it's a wicked piece of kit. <laughs> well, uh, that FM chip sounds pretty good too. It's, but I can put one together and we can experiment with it. I think you'll find the one that you just showed then with the um, the uh, AY or the other chip that. Um, um, Simon showed. Um, there's a lot more work to make it sound like that, though, than what it is with the uh, YM2413. There's a lot of additional <clears throat> tricks that they do to make it do that. So, yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy who wrote that is is a professional musician. Uh, yeah, and he uses. He's part of a, a Polish group called the AY Riders, or a Czech group called the AY Riders. They use just use the AY chip on the ZX Spectrum or the Atari. Uh, and they've just taken it to a totally different level. But that was that was a 48K ZX Spectrum playing the tune. It's impressive. It's impressive. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, we've got choices. We've got some options. Um, and it'd be nice to see somebody produce a game to play some music. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And I have to say, I like Ed's idea that, that some of these FM chips actually are backwards compatible because then you can kind of like have a regular sound chip that, you know, the Game MasterCard and a few others is using. But you also have a super one that might be a you know, buck or two more expensive or whatever, but is actually backwards compatible. So you can still use the stuff that those are using and you have the extended capability of using the FM stuff. Yep, we're, we're gonna have to try it. <laughs> we have to do it. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many choices at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And well, yeah. I mean, we do what we do, and we just love doing it. And that's that's the way it goes. Whatever you whatever you have fun with. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the whole point of it, isn't it? That's the whole point. Because if it comes if it becomes tedious, then it's not. Then it's not a hobby anymore, is it? <laughs> yeah, no. it's work. No, that's um, kind of like people's complaint with the, uh, the sound speech cartridge trying to 
go through the microcontroller to get some of the features of the audio there. Where, you know, there was, what, a couple of games that did take advantage of the sound on it. I think Pitfall was one of them. Wasn't that right, Steve? Uh, Pitfall takes advantage of the music. Uh, Pitfall and um, Ganabuana took advantage of music, but I think it was the F-18 that F- took advantage F-16 of the sound. Assault, yeah. F-16 Additional. Assault took good advantage of the sound on it. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, we, just like I wanted to have a discussion one time about compiled sprites, we should have a music discussion yeah. sometime too when we have you know some more musical things to talk about and show off and stuff it's a great yeah. topic yeah i mean even the built-in dac is capable of doing some awesome stuff as we've heard on various things but mm-hmm. it's at the cost of cpu time so if you're doing yeah. like a, a title screen and you want some really fancy stuff i mean you could take like socks you know four play or four voice mod player and actually <laughs> stick that in the background or something like that too or the sid player um, but if you want to try to do that simultaneously with the game, that's where you need an actual hardware yeah. sound chip because now you're sucking way too many CPU cycles just keeping the music going. Right. Very, very cool. All right, there's another link in the chat there for... Uh... Yeah, that's, a, that's, the same, that's the same guy, different tune, same chip. All right, let's take a listen to this one here. Uh, XROAR Flash. Oh, the Flash version of XROAR. Oh, that's kind of cool. Did you guys know there was a Flash version of XROAR? It's really behind in functionality, but it's a, enough to play a few little converted SID tunes, okay. badly looped converted SID tunes. I thought that might be interesting given the discussion. <laughs> okay, how do we get to it? How do I How do I bring it up? Well, you gotta have flash. Uh, I have I have it open, but how do I get to ah. the SID tunes on the on the thing? Oh, click one of the links underneath it. Okay, like Airball or Chucky Egg or something like that. Or at the bottom, music brackets. Oh, uh, music. Okay, okay. Converted from SID. Okay, so if I click on music. Oops, that's taking me to a download link. All right, so what is it? GNG. Oh wow. This is on a dragon. Can you guys hear that? Yep.
Yeah, well, the Coco's built-in back is actually capable of doing some pretty interesting stuff, as we've seen. Like, like I said, with mod player, which actually can tie samples, you can get direct real sounding drums and electric cars and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then the Sid player and, and some of these other ones, too. The problem is, you, if you're trying to do like a massive graphics movie at the same time, you can't. Yeah. For cutscenes, the bonds and everything else yeah. is a lot of CPU power. The sounds really good. Oh wow! Super percussion. Wow. I'm reasonably sure that some of the sounds in this one were originally filter suites. And they just got badly oh, that's, the, that's the demo that the Coco Sid program used. I remember this one. impressive so steve have you actually tried sock masters mod player yet with some of the mods i think you i think we looked at it one time you and i looked at it when we were doing one of our music demos yeah because i think that's probably the most impressive now it's a, even a bit more complicated yet but <laughs> yeah there's some pretty wicked stuff you can do on that too yeah that's pretty impressive that the coco can do it and that we can do it in a browser through flash <laughs> <laughs> Did you, hear, did you hear the one-bit samples I did? Oh, yeah. I've got some of those. Not the one-bit tunes, but the one-bit samples. Oh, I don't know about that. So, Eurythmics. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, you had those on Facebook, if I remember. Yeah, yeah I'll find a link this has become the Coco music episode without us even realizing it. So. <laughs> there we go. Here's, here's one. I sent 64K. Right, let's take a look. Coco. Hi, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. Now, for the power computer user who demands performance, Radio Shack introduces the Tandy 3000, the more powerful and more affordable IBM PC AT compatible. Here's the power to manage your business, utilize computer networking, or create a multi-user system. The Tandy 3000, the power to put you in command. Tandy, clearly superior, in business for business. Only at Radio Shack Computer Center. That's 64K with one bit differential. I can't get it any louder though. 
it's fine. That's pretty good. I'm That's getting some good. feedback from somebody's um, thing. I'm hearing some echo. Now that's pretty cool. So what we're doing is actually compressing samples into single bit differentials. So we're we're saying, okay, we've got a base value, and we're going up the scale or down the scale with uh, a single value. Mm -hmm. So it's actually potentially eight to one compression. Yeah, there are things that can be done with our cocos. That's quite impressive. All right. I gotta let this cat out. Hold on one second. Come on, cat. I thought that was another digitized sample. <laughs> Nick, uh, there was a problem with the mod player on MAME recently. Do you know if that's fixed now? Or was it the Coco SDC that had the problem? I can't remember. The Coco SDC had it, but there's a, it's an easy fix. It's something about clearing files. Um, the, the latest update on the Coco SDC had, uh, I don't know, changed the, some of the memory usage that played with the uh, amount of space available under the files command or the default settings. It was just a, a matter of changing the, uh, the value in the files command, I think. Um, Darren Atkinson said that there is a probably going to be a fix in the next SDC firmware update anyway. So, oh okay. Hey Rudy, Rudy Kazuti is here. Hey Rudy. I just thought it'd be interesting to maybe bring up one of the uh, the mod player with one of the more impressive tunes there. You probably yeah, had more time to play with them lately or... than I have, but uh, is there any one in there that, in that one zip that looked really impressive or sounds really impressive? Uh, we'd have to give it to Steve to play, I guess. Um, has Steve uh, got them there? Or? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I probably have something, but it's uh, uh, probably the easiest thing to do would be to do it in MAME right now because I don't feel like hooking up the whole Coco 3 yeah. setup through here. Uh, oh. Yeah, because I know the Coco Archive has like a 17 meg zip file or something of a whole bunch of mods. Yeah, yeah. The, I just lost my software. There we go. I think we did a. I think we did a video on this. I might just be able to find that vi that video. I can't remember sure. if we just uh, mentioned it in passing and maybe tried it privately in chat. I honestly don't remember. I know Sock himself has said if you play at the lower frequency ones, the ones that don't quite sound quite as clear as the high ones, that we said. You're only using about 50% of the CPU, so you actually could run something like that in the background, you know, with a Coco 1 2 speed style game on a Coco 3 in double speed. And if you throw a 609 in the mix too, then you might be able to actually do a fairly decent one. All right, I'll see if I can't get a Coco 3 going. And then what is it that I'm looking for in the way of software and whole nine yards to pull this up? Well, you need mod, mod player, and there's a 639 version and a 609 version, and then just there's a mod file, zip file on the Cocoa Archive. It's got a whole whack load of disk images for various ones. Well, no, we, we have something. Um, um, of course, now I have to try to work with because I don't have the MAME UI thing going here on this one here. 
All right, floppy disk one. Okay, this is all my stuff. Yeah, trying to browse with the freaking MAME user interface, not the best thing in the world. Alright, somewhere in here, mod player, okay. Coco Tracker with some mods. Um, here we go. And then I have Airwolf disk, mod 6309 disk. Yeah, that's a 639 version of the player, which does better fidelity. All right. All right, so let's see what I can see here. Okay, this has Axel. Um, so is it this run mod 13? Yeah. Okay. So you boot it up in 6309. Oh. Yeah. I know I have one off. to see if I can find it. It's not on the Coco Archive. It was one called Hard Driving, which actually has like... Uh, Hard rock, heavy metals, guitars with you know real drum samples and stuff too. It was pretty impressive. Okay, this is Coco Tracker Sockmasters 512K 6309 mod player. So let's see if I can get it to load right now. I'm trying to do it in Mame, so I'm not sure how well it's going to work in Mame versus a real Coco, because we have done this on a real Coco before. Yeah, and you can by hitting the six key there, you can adjust the uh, the frequency response to better or worse, which is basically better quality, more CPU time, or worse quality, less CPU time. Okay, well I don't even know if it's loading right now, because I hit A to load. Yeah, it's loading. It's probably fairly big. Oh yeah. And Mame is slow uh, on the disk I/O. Yeah, it kind of emulates it a bit too closely. <laughs> <laughs> Now, MAME did have a key. There was an F key at one point. You could actually tell it to, you know, skip syncing the CPU speed to the real speed, so you could really fast load it. But I don't remember a if that's still in there yeah, or it is. What the key um, was. Yeah, I forgot what the term for that's called. It's uh, yeah, frame skipper or something. I can't remember. Something like <coughs> that. Yeah. So my God, man, how long does it take to load this bloody song? <laughs> hey, a really? long time. <laughs> yeah, but I I hear her sockmaster's talking. Okay, theoretically, it could be made to auto adjust its own sample rate in real time to ensure the game, whatever, you gets just enough CPU time, or even sounds better depending on which CPU you have. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay, this is the 6309 version. Yeah, and you're running a 9.1 killer, so you can actually get it up to almost 10. What do I press for that? Uh, don't bother now. It that's on the loading screens. Wow, a lot of channels. I've heard some like a lot of the the mods that were done for these were using synthesizer instruments, but there's quite a few that actually. It's an inside sample of real Yeah. 
Yeah, this is one of the first things I did with the MM1 was uh, mod was using a mod player. So it's great to see this on a Coco. You guys know the words of this song? <laughs> no, it doesn't have any. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've made up several. They're all pretty good. <laughs> and how many of them can't be said on Axel your channel? Axel Foley <laughs> is a cop from Detroit who goes to California and solves crimes. <laughs> so, Stick to your day job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is pretty good. He just needs to do it as a rap. Have a break in there, you know? Alright. <laughs> no crap. No. Too late. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, so there's lots of ways to make music on a Coco. Um, ideally, you want something that sounds good and doesn't choke the CPU and uh, delights the ears of the, uh, of the listener, you know? Yeah. And sometimes uh, that's just the design of the game. Like, if you do a game that's, you know, just moving a few sprites around, and you can make a really good game that does, just does that, then you could probably could do something like this in the background. If you're trying to do like a four-way full-screen scroll, might be pushing it a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are there are definitely options, and and electronic music is something that's always been of interest to me. I just remember listening to some of the old, um, like um, Moog music from the '70s. You know, the Moog synthesizer, one of the first analog synths that you know gave us synthesized sounds uh i loved listening to some of the classical music that played on the coco like the bach toccata fugues and and all that kind of stuff you know all the coco classical music a lot of it sounded like an organ but it just sounded cool you know and when you hear some of these things like these mod trackers and some of these other ways to make um um yeah, it would be kind of cool. And actually, yeah, the actual pronunciation is the actual correct pronunciation is called Moog. Um, I've always called it Moog, but it and, and Karen's saying in the chat, yeah, it is pronounced Moog, although it's not spelled that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always loved electronic music and video games on the Coco, uh, anywhere you can get it, you know. Popcorn was my favorite out of the different electronic musics from that time era. <laughs> yeah. I think it's even in mod format for. Yeah, I've I've heard that the one. Mod tracker. Yeah. Cool. Well, my stomach is telling me it's time to wrap up Cocoa Talk because I gotta go eat something. And I'm a, I'm a slen I'm a slender guy, so if I don't eat something, I'll fade away. <laughs> <laughs> you can go up to a month without eating, Steve. <laughs> I'm not a camel. <laughs> no, I believe that's actually technically correct. You can okay. go a month without eating. You can do three days, I think, without water. Okay, yeah, well, sounds I've gone almost three hours, and this is like an eternity. All right, David Lash. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't talk about everything, or there'll be nothing left to talk about. We got to save some for next week. <laughs> Uh -huh. Fine, I'm gonna go play GTA Five. Yes. So um, definitely, I'm, I'm always thankful for everybody who's here on the calls. It's so great to have people who want to get together and talk about the Coco. It's great to have people joining us on YouTube. Let's say hi to some of the people who've been with us on YouTube. Let me go back and say hi to some of the chat. So we had Richard Cavell was here earlier. Um, Barry Marks was here. 
Ed Snyder is with us. Sockmaster is with us. Travis Pope had stopped by. Um, Wayne Campbell was here on the call and uh, in the thing and then had a whole other conversation happen. So uh, hopefully Wayne will come back. Uh, Fedor, thank you for being here. Rod Gaming stopped by the chat. Curtis was in the chat yes. as well. Mark was in the chat. Davey hey. Mitchell stopped by the chat. Who else stopped by the chat? Noah Spence hey, stopped me. by the chat. Hey, Steve hey, uh, Grant Leedy was in the chat. Rudy Kazuti was in the chat. Hey, it still is. Okay, and Steve Powell is there too. Steve Powell, how are you? And Jason Ross, I was here for almost the last hour. Well, you can't be a silent observer and have us know that you're there. Um, we don't have that kind of power. Yes. So yeah, thank you everybody who's been here watching as well because it is, um, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that every week we get together and want to talk about this and there's other people who want to hear it so <laughs> so thank you thank you for that special kind of crazy ed snyder thanks for being here it was great having you on the call uh karen as well great having you guys on the call um it was even nice having uh, curtis oh. and david here for a change too so uh, <laughs> somebody to keep steve in line yes and fedor never works but we try yeah so still here we're going to wrap up this week's Coco Talk. We'll have something else to talk about next week. We'll make it up then, too. So uh, it's always great. <laughs> it's always great to improvise a live show. <laughs> Simon Jonason, the madman, thank you for being here. And your mad son, Benjamin, and all his Rubik's Cubes antics that he does. Um, great having you. Nick Marentes. Um, Nick, anything can you up update us on Gunstar? Anything new in the development? Uh, nothing new. No, nothing, nothing new. I'm, I am working on a, 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 a part of it that I'll unveil in the next blog. But uh, yes, uh, yes, it's a work in progress. It's top secret. If I tell you, I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, we're going to kill off. Steve. You can tell the rest of us. So yes. yeah. <laughs> we're going to sign off for Coco Talk. So thank you, everybody uh, who join us every week. We appreciate it. It's uh, it's good. I, I I love listening to this kind of stuff. You know, I just love I love being a fly in a wall, hearing talk about hardware and software and all things Coco and all things retro. So as long as we yeah. keep having people who want to talk and people who want to listen, we'll keep having this show. So excellent. All right, well, we're signing off. Just remember, you may only be young once, but you can be retro forever. And we all, speaking of which, uh, that's a John Linville quote. John Linville was here for a little bit, too. Thank you, John, for being here. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Later, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Coco Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at cocotalk.live, where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes, as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing. Coco forever. Have a Coco day, and bye-bye, everybody.